Josh, it feels like it's been ages, dude. <laughs> it does feel like it's been a long time, honestly. Yeah, I, like, usually, like, between episodes, it's like, okay, we release an episode, and then, like, a week passes, I'm like, alright, cool, we still got a week, we got some time to put this all together, we're chilling. And then... I don't know, this time around, like, by this time last week, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my god, we gotta, we gotta start putting it in the podcast. <gasps> and then I like, was like, wait, no, we're still a week. I was like, dude, I, I don't know if it's the NAIC travel that's got me, like, all messed up or whatever. But, like, just feels like it's been, like, like a month <laughs> since, <laughs> since we last recorded. I know, it's been pretty crazy. Pretty crazy indeed, but I mean, that is a, a perfect adjective for many of the topics we have for episode 12 of the Damage Counter Podcast. By the way, welcome to the Damage Counter Podcast, a uh, bi-weekly podcast talking about all things Pokemon TCG. You got Phelan over here. And Josh over here. We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, a card of the day. Uh, that's all I can really say about that. It is a card and it is of the day. <laughs> people will understand when we get there <laughs> uh, but we got also some pretty interesting news stories finally hearing some official word about rotation uh, finally good lord finally seeing translations from cards from lost abyss it took forever you know what that that's our that's our thing man why did this take so long <laughs> rotation news took so long it felt like it took forever to get to this episode we finally getting translations for lost origin of course you know the last few tournaments of the season as well wrapping things up before we get to worlds uh our deck profile of the reggie box uh probably one of my favorite archetypes to come from astral radiance it's, it's been a lot of fun to to keep up with that yeah yeah, I'll a uh, little preview for that. I'll put it this way. So I built that deck actually this morning online to get some more knowledge on it for our coverage. And uh, the deck's already in a shopping cart on my way to me in paper. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That was what I was oh. wanting to build it in paper too, but I was just like, ah, uh, you know, between having to travel for NAIC, like I'm just not gonna be able to get all the cards in time, so. I'll have to settle with online for now, but don't don't you worry. I'm keeping my eyes on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thing was, I kind of wanted to build it anyway, because I've been wanting, like, a one-prizer deck just to mess around with. And, man, when you can build a deck for sub, like, 30 bucks, that's... <laughs> how can you resist? Like, even if you don't want to play it that much? Oh, ooh. yeah. And, <laughs> like, like, and it's, like fairly competitive like borderline top yeah. 10 yeah yeah that's a, that's yeah. a no-brainer right there so once i subtracted like the quick balls and researches the stuff i had i spent like 26 bucks on that oh yeah and that's Dude, counting so, shipping such such a cheap deck that's that's a that's a selling point we have for you later but yep. beyond that we've also got a discussion we're going to be talking about the season in review it's a bit of a weird season and granted we were only competitively minding it for about half of it but that's fine we're going to talk about everything that happened in the 2019 to 2022 season as we prepare for worlds 2022 this year so i'm ready to roll this intro how about you john
episode 12. You know how we always do it around here. Josh, my man, what have you been up to? Uh, well, came back from Card Trooper. Uh, had a couple, like, extra days off there that pretty much hit the ground running. Have been working like crazy. Just finished a six-day week. After my day off today, I'm going into a seven-day week. Oof. So, uh, I'm pretty tired. Have not really done anything. Come home. I've been watching a lot of movies. Watched all of the Lord of the Rings extended editions. Watched, <laughs> nice. watched The Hobbit. Watched all of Young Justice. It's been a, it's been a lot of binging. Because I've been getting home around like 8 o'clock and it's just everyone's going to bed. Nothing's going on. So I just make dinner and watch TV. Yeah, usually like when you get home around that time, like you're just kind of exhausted anyway. And like binging is like the per. It's probably not healthy because I I do it too, but it's yeah. probably not healthy. But it's such it's just like the perfect thing to do. Like when you just get home at that time, yeah. There's not like nothing else going on. Like just sit down, sit down watch, and... watch some shows, take it easy. Yeah, it's been. But I've done a little work on Pokemon. I've still been tooting around with my Eternatus deck. I don't think there's going to be anything that'll make that deck work, but I'm trying to find, like, a... just a nice spot for it to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I remember we were talking about it, and I remember thinking for a second, I was like, yeah, no, 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 this could be good. Like, I, I could see this working out in this metagame. And then, like, I saw... I, I don't remember what it was, but somebody was talking about it, and I saw a little bit of gameplay, and I was just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, yeah, ooh. It's, I mean, it's like Raul said in one of our previous episodes, it's just, it's caught in the crossfires. It's like way too much. Like, people yeah. aren't trying to counter Eternatus. It's just getting countered by things that are countering the decks people are trying yeah. to counter. Yeah, when we were up at Marshall's, Phelan and I were talking on our last morning up there. And Phelan was talking about, like, what version of the deck I was trying to He was like, yeah, I think that looks pretty good. And I was like, this might actually work decently well. And I was like, yeah, too bad Avery just completely <laughs> destroys me. And you were like... Oh, yeah. Wait. Avery destroys you. <laughs> yeah, it's Avery like, is a super feels-bad card. Yeah, so even, like, while thinking of all the weaknesses, it's got more. Yeah. It's like everything <laughs> in this format unintentionally hurts it. Oh, but uh, besides that, nothing really, like, I don't even think we've really talked in the last two weeks. You got home, and you hit the ground running for NAIC, <laughs> and I didn't get to go to local, so I was just like, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that is exactly correct. Actually, I think this is the first time we're talking since our last podcast. <laughs> yes, it, it happens is. sometimes, right? But uh, there's been memes in it and stuff like that. Oh, sure, sure. Um, but no, I know you've been, was, you know you've been working on the Palculus a little bit too, right? A little bit, a little bit updating there. A little bit, a little bit of tweaking and whatnot there. I think for now, Palky is still going to be my main deck. I'm pretty set on that. I mean, it's pretty solid. I mean, why not? Right? Yeah. As I as I like wanting built just built one deck and wanting to build like two to three more, I really want to build Zoark box and uh, a Jolteon deck list since I got those Jolteons for Marshall. Yeah, yeah. It's the curse of Pokemon. The decks are so affordable. It's just you look at everything and you're like, that looks so cool. I want to make that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny because like you're you. As far as, like, TCGs go, like, you were more into, like, Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! before Pokemon. Yeah. So, like, you, you know, you looking at the prices versus me looking at the prices, <laughs> you're just like, oh, this is a steal. I'm sitting here like, bro, 
What do you mean I have to pay twenty dollars for this one of, bro? <laughs> I know when when I came from games that come from usually spending around like three to five hundred dollars on your standard deck, like minimum, if you want to be top competitive to Pokemon, where it's like, bro, this deck's one hundred and seventy bucks. Yeah. I'm like one hundred and seventy, <laughs> and I was like, Bill. Yeah, and it's just like in the cart, and you're like, wait a minute, you mean that was min rarity, and then you up the rarity a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, oh. it's no, it's great. Yeah. Oh, but how about you? Ah, uh, big, big, big two weeks for me. As you mentioned, uh, hot off a of car trooper. Two weeks after that event uh, came NAIC. You know, if you've been listening to the cast for a while, you know that that my preparation for Car Trooper and NAIC have kind of been going hand in hand. Um, so it was a lot of like trying to hit every local I possibly could. I made sure I got as many coaching sessions, you know, in those weeks as that I could. Uh, which, by the way, up here up front, uh, at the top of the show here, shoutouts to Tate Whitesell. And uh, Michaela, they're both, both of them are my coaches. Uh, Michaela runs the Optimal 60 YouTube channel, which you should check out and subscribe to, by the way. She makes some amazing content. Um, and Tate is the guy that, that made the Pokestats website. Y'all go check them out. They're awesome. And I don't think I would have placed as well as I did at Car Trooper or at NAIC without them. Like, they, they helped me out a lot. So shout-outs to them just right here at the top of the show. Uh, links to their stuff will be in the episode description. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was a lot of preparation for NAIC. I changed my list, so like I know we covered my list, my Sylveon list for Car Trooper in the last episode. The list has been changed already. I'm like on version 21, 22 or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's ridiculous how many times I've changed that list. But it's a hundred percent homebrew. Took it to NAIC, went four four one. So I missed day two, unfortunately, but. The upsides to everything is that, in comparison to Indianapolis, I missed day two by the time I got to round seven instead of by the time I got to round five. <laughs> so we were in there for a good little while. Um, and even going four four one, I still placed like three hundred ninety seventh out of like thirteen hundred plus players. So like when I saw that, I was just like. Wow, but like I don't know why. It just to me, it was like, wow, that's incredible. No, dude, that's huge. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I, I was telling everybody, <laughs> like I text a group chat, I text both my coaches. I was like, yo, check it out. I told my coworker this morning. He knows nothing about any of this stuff. He's like, dang man, that's crazy. <laughs> I was, I was pretty excited, but yeah. it was, it was a, it was a super fun weekend. Um. Did, did I tell you who I faced in round, in round eight? No, you didn't. I faced Tord Reklev in round eight. Oh, my God. Yeah, I so it was coming off of round seven. I lost in round seven, and that's where I was like, okay, the day two dream is dead. I was a little bummed out, but I was like, whatever. I'll just play it out from here. Like, no point not to. The pairings go up. I refresh the webpage. I'm I'm not kidding you. I swear my heart skipped a beat. I was like, what do you mean Tord Reklev is 4-3 and is my opponent? <laughs> I do any honestly, like, I've said it a lot here on the show, or at least I think I have. Tord is like one of my favorite players. Like, that man is insane. 
I love Hello. what he does. And he's super nice too. Like I sat down and he's like, Hey, you know, what's up? Are you enjoying the event? And I told him, he was like, Hey, this is my second time. And he's like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, super nice guy. Uh, and he absolutely curb stomped me. Like, nice. I'm sorry, but if there's anybody who can get curb stomped to get a nice from, it's getting it done by from toward. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Like immediately, immediately, like my bad mood was gone. I just played a, a good game of Pokemon with one of the best to ever do it. Uh, and at least unlike round seven, because uh, I went up against a guy playing Palkia in round seven, Tortoise playing Palkia. At least, unlike that round, I at least had like decent starts and was allowed to play the game. <laughs> so uh, I was like, oh, I was like, okay, at least I didn't like brick or dead dragons toward. Like I, I was at least able to do things. Yeah, yeah. Even made a couple comments about my deck. He's like, oh, okay, okay. The you have the Ditto V Max. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, a little little fan fanboy moment there, but that was. Uh, oh, that's sick. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, so that was definitely highlight of the weekend for me. And, you know, I got to hang out with some friends, did a lot of shopping, probably spent more money than I should have. Um, maybe I'll show off all that stuff in a video on the YouTube cause I don't want to, you know, I mean, I'm already spending a lot of time on my week here, but played a lot of side events on day two. And I found out about this new format. Josh, I'm building a deck for this. Oh, um, and I, and I want to get you and some other players on it. And it's good because, like, only one player has to build the deck. Everyone else can just, like, use, like, standard or expanded or whatever. It's called a raid uh -huh. format. So, essentially, you get four players using, like, standard decks. Or really, any 60, really. It doesn't really matter what format it is. But you get four players using, like, standard 60-card deck lists versus the, the fifth player, the quote-unquote raid boss, who uh -huh. is using a jumbo card. As, like, their oh. boss Pokemon. Uh, and then the raid boss deck is just full of, like, trainers and energy to disrupt the four. So, like, every trainer the raid boss plays affects all four players. Every attack affects all four players. They can use multiple GX or V-Star powers a turn. <laughs> or, not a turn, oh. but, like, a game. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, it's it, it it's a stupid fun format. Like, I, I played it every opportunity i got this weekend it was so much fun so, so much how so many, how many pokemon does the raid leader have just one just the one yeah just the one it doesn't have hp like you don't knock out you don't like knock it out like uh. you you put their deck into the lost zone relative to how much damage you do to them and your win condition is to get their entire deck in the lost zone interesting yeah it it was a little confusing at first but once you get a hang of it it's not too bad and dude like I said, that was some of the most fun I had this weekend. So I started, like, pestering people at the locals, like, hey, does anybody have jumbo cards they don't want? <laughs> I, dude, I'm, I'm hoping I can have this done by this weekend so I can show it to y'all, because that, that format was insanely fun. That actually sounds like a lot of fun as, like, a side of it game. Oh, dude, it was the best. And, like, it, it gives you, like, interactions with players that, like, you don't really get otherwise, like, I I won't spend too much time on this, but one of the raid raids I did, um, two of my teammates were playing Reggie's, and that's not particularly a great deck for this format. 
just because like everything gets one shot and then there's like energy discarding effects um ability locking stadiums and stuff like that Mm-hmm. so like there's just a lot of stuff that just really gets in the Reggie deck way so they're just kind of sitting there like struggling to set up so like me and this Mew player were like having to carry them basically <laughs> oh my god it was so funny but but it was like yeah we're talking around I was like okay hey I've got the stadium does anybody you know like if I play path here is that gonna hurt anybody or like hey I've got this extra supporter I can't cause you can share supporters so like, hey, uh-huh. I've, you know, the Reggie players would be like, hey, I got this research. I don't really need it right now. Does anybody else need it? I'm like, yeah, I'm bricked. Give me something. <laughs> like, it's really cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to get some people together to play that. Oh, definitely. That sounds sick. I've always wished Pokemon would have more of like a a team game type, you know, like a two player. Yeah, like yeah. A cooperative way to play the game. It's... Well, I think there was also like a more like traditional 2v2 type type deal i think um but i didn't i didn't sign up for that one um either way naic was insane it was a blast like i mean i I might have said the same thing for indianapolis but there is nothing nothing better than just being in a giant room full of pokemon fans because it's just like yeah i'm there to play the tcg but we got people that are excited about like vgc people excited about pokken uh, you know, people all around the venue playing like Pokemon Go while they're waiting for their rounds to start or whatever. Like, dude, it was awesome. Like, I've yeah. I, I have gotten more Pokemon out of that weekend than I probably have in like singular months, maybe even years of my life. <laughs> like, I mean, that's like that's the coolest thing. Not just with Pokemon, but like tournaments in general. Like, you go to a tournament when you walk through those doors. If nothing else, there's one thing that's true. You and everybody else in that room have at least one thing in common that you're passionate about. Whatever you're there to play. Oh, yeah. And that, like, makes it sick, because you're just in a room with nothing but people that are hyped about the thing that you're hyped about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dude, it's it's the absolute best, and it makes it a lot easier to, like, make friends that way. Yeah, because no matter who you talk to, there's there's the easy opener there. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, hey, I love Pokemon cards. No, me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you guys are like, oh, how's your, how's your last round go? They're like, eh, yeah. you know, I didn't do, it was so great. And then, like, really, it's it's after the match where it's like, okay, you don't have to be so secretive about, like, your deck anymore. Then you can start talking about, yeah, I wanted to make this play. Yeah, this tech is working really well for me here, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it, it was a good time overall. And uh, I am going to do a tournament report video because I, I do feel like it'll be fun to talk about the nine rounds I had. Uh, on a video i'm not gonna do a vlog this time because while i did record footage for it i got a little too carried away playing side events on day two and three to do to do much recording outside of that so i was like at this point i might as well just make a tournament report video and call it a day um so we'll do that and i'll probably show off some of the stuff i bought um and uh yeah that'll be fun so that was my two weeks. It was very, like, boom, 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 go, go, go. But especially because I pulled a stupid and didn't ask off for Thursday. So I had to drive overnight, sleep four hours, and then compete the next morning. <laughs> it was uh, it was rough. I, I, I managed to, like, you know, get rid of the tired and the sleepy before, like, round one. But yeah, it, ooh, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, 
<laughs> one funny thing I want to say about your week last week was uh, about a day or two, like, earlier this week or, like, last Monday or so, Phelan texted me. He said, hey, do you have any time this week where we can record the video for Car Trooper? Or something along <laughs> I, those lines. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, here's my schedule, this, this, and this. And Phelan goes, oh, I should have looked at my schedule. This man had no free time the yeah. entire week. <laughs> yeah, every every day was booked. It was like, uh, I don't. It was like, oh yeah, I got coaching on Monday. I had to hit the local on Tuesday just to get some extra games in. I got coaching on Wednesday. I leave on Thursday. I was like, wow. Uh, never mind. I I I can't do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty hectic. But okay. That's enough about me. That's enough about NAIC. Well, at least for now. We'll talk about it a little bit more later. Um, let's go ahead and get the show started proper, Josh. We have a card of the day. This is one that you suggested, as it is, uh, it is one that we talk about quite a bit. It is one that I loathe quite a bit. Uh, so, probably good to give some context on it. So, let's go ahead and get this segment rolling. <laughs> All right, Josh, you have brought me here today to talk about this card. What is, what, what, why, what is this? Okay, so like Phelan said, this is a card that we talk about a lot. It's a card a lot of people hate, and you'll see why, obviously. There's there's an equal number of people that love it, too. Like, that's the funny part. Like, I don't acknowledge that side, (laughs) but but they exist. (laughs) It's a well. This card was like the end all be all for its format, and like Phelan said, we we do reference it a lot. So I said, hey, since we talk about this so much, we should actually talk about this card. But of course, I am talking about Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia GX. ADP is it's more commonly called short term. Yeah, uh, because like the 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 actual like if you were to uh, to to say it as it's printed on the card, it's Arceus and Dialga and Palkia GX. That's just a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's funny yeah. though. <clears throat> so this is a tag team card, back from the GX tag team era, broken era. Yeah, awful from what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only dabbled with whatever decks Phelan had at the time, which wasn't but... this. <laughs> yeah, at least so... not until very late, anyway. Yeah. So we have ADP. 280 HP, uh, well within the frame of that era of, like, good HP. It's attack for a water, metal, and colorless. You do ultimate ray, 150 damage. Search your deck for up to three basic energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way you like. Then shuffle your deck. That attack seems pretty similar to stuff we have these days. Yeah, it does (laughs) sound a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Obviously, really good attack. And it's GX attack, altered creation. For the rest of this game, your Pokemon's attack do 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon before applying weakness and resistance. If this Pokemon has at least one extra water energy attached to it, in addition to this attack's cost, when your opponent's active Pokemon is knocked out by damage from those attacks, take one more prize card. Oh my god, dude. So, like, so, this is funny because, like, this is, uh, Cosmic Eclipse was, like, the newest set when I, like, 
super seriously jump back into the game. Like I was, I always, I've said it a lot on the podcast. I've always talked about like there, you know, there was this like year long period where I didn't play the game and I got back in an ultra prison. That was like really just dipping my toes back in. Just kind of like, eh, I want to play, but nobody around me plays. Or then cosmic eclipse came out. And then that, you know, for other reasons around the time, I was like, okay, whatever. I want to play this game again. It looks like fun. Oh boy, what a what what a set to to fully jump back into because that is where this guy comes from. Yeah, there, I just remember there being consecutive weeks of when like me and Valid would hang out and play Pokemon when I'd just like borrow his decks and play, and he would spend the whole time bitching about ADP. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was pretty dominant, right? But like the funny thing is, is that like ADP when it came out in Cosmic Eclipse was like just okay if you can imagine that and that's because in the before we started getting sword and shield cards adp was a good card but it didn't really have a good partner like the best the best card people had to partner with it was keldeo gx um which i don't fully remember what keldeo does um but i remember it had an ability that basically made it immune to gx pokemon or something like that um so, like, the first popular variant was just ADP Keldeo. And, you know, while it was good, like, you know, it it was just kind of okay because Keldeo wasn't, like, a fantastic card. This card didn't absolutely snap the format in half until Sword and Shield came out and gave us Zacian V. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were right about the Keldeo, by the way. I looked it up. Oh, with the ability? Yeah, it just okay. prevents all all effects of attacks done to this Pokemon by opponents GX or EX. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember it. I remember somebody yeah. at the local played this list, and I was like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. It's a little annoying, but, like, whatever, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, like I said, like it, it this didn't really break the format until uh, Zacian V came out. Uh, Zacian V, extremely popular Pokemon in the Sword and Shield metagame. It's uh, ever since um, probably Brilliant Stars, it's not seen a whole lot of play. But up until Brilliant Stars, one of the it best cards everywhere. in the game. Oh yeah, it was absolutely yeah. everywhere. 220 HP Pokemon V, 3 energy, 3 metal energy. You've got the attack of Brave Blade. It does 230 damage, which is a ridiculous, or yeah, it is a ridiculous amount of damage. So that buffing by 30 and then getting the ability to take an extra prize card was just like ridiculous because around that time, like every deck had to play Dedenne GX. Like if your deck wasn't playing Dedenne GX, it was, your, your deck was probably too slow to keep up with anything in the format. So the win condition of Arceus de Alcapalchia just became, okay, set up the Ultra Creation, Ultimate Ray, uh, to set up the Zacian V. If you get a knockout with that, even better. And then you go boss KO, take three prizes, and then you win. Like, <laughs> like it's kind of gross. Like, like imagine in, in the current format, if your Luminion V or if your Crobat V was a three-prizer. Like, that's the kind of format we were playing in with this card. <laughs> yeah. So, like, because of that, like, it ended up just being, like, this dominant thing up until it rotated. Like, this card, after sword, base set Sword and Shield came out, was never bad. And it was always the best deck in the format. Because it, it could just run away with games 
like at the at the snap of your fingers. It's just boom. Uh oh, suddenly, like suddenly, they got to turn one altered creation off because they could do like attach metal saucer energy switch or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that no that. Ugh. Anyway, they would go like turn one altered creation GX, and then it's like okay. At this very moment in the game, this is literally your first, your uh, turn two. Literally by turn two, at this stage in the game, you need to deal 280 damage to this thing to to make sure it doesn't ultimate ray, or you lose. <laughs> That's it. You the game is decided by turn two at that point. I, I'm being a little facetious. It, you know, you could theoretically weasel your way into winning the game, but like. If that turn two, if you don't deal that 280 damage before yeah. they use the ultimate ray, you're almost guaranteed a loss. Like, that's it's, how powerful this deck was. Yeah, it's dominant. Like, a lot of people compare this to, like, Mew now with, like, dominating the world. And whether that's, like, true. I mean, you can definitely see where it comes from. Like, top tier decks just establish dominance. Like, if a Mew comes out, they get four Genesect on their bench, a Meloetta, and they're set up to cross fusion strike, Meloetta's Echo you next turn. Like, you pretty much lost. Yeah. And it's just, these top decks are so, like, these cards are so crazy sometimes. Like, just completely meta-defining. Yeah, and I and I, I personally don't think that this card would have been as crazy as it was if it weren't for the fact that Sword and Shield removed fairy types from the game. True. Which is this card's weakness. <laughs> That so it's true. like so it's like this card comes out, it gets a metal like this crazy high damage metal type Pokemon, and it has all these combos to just basically set up checkmate on like turn two. Uh, and oh yeah, by the way, all the cards that hit or all the fairy type cards are already being power crept out of the format, are scared away by Zation, and they're not printing anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was just like a whole bunch of things like culminating into one, all happening at the same time. It's just like, ooh, 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 this is, ooh, this is bad. Yeah. (laughs) And and it got to a point where like, straight up, like the last deck I played before tag teams rotated was Cardivore and Sylveon. (laughs) Just because, and not to be this guy, right? Like what I'm about to say is probably gonna sound really standoffish i'm not gonna lie to you like this deck kind of carried some people because like it's very like it's opening turns are very linear and if executed properly like just give you such a ridiculous advantage in the game that other decks just like can't do so it's like you know and of course they did like a league battle deck for ADPization as well. So like newer players were getting the deck and the cards were super easy to come across and stuff. So I got to a point where like this is the only deck you would ever come across on the ladder. As it was super annoying. <laughs> so like it got to the point where I was like, I can tell by the way this person's playing that like they're either new or they're inexperienced or or something or other like that. Like they're just playing this because it's the best deck in the game, and I'm losing to this, and I'm very upset. So, <laughs> so I started playing Carnivore and Sylveon, so that at the very least, like I knew I would auto win against the people that are just like going, okay, whatever, Alter Creation hurt her. Mm-hmm. 
because against Gardevoir Sylveon, like you just you just don't play ADP. Like you just turn it to a Zacian deck, and then you auto win the matchup. But if you try to go for the turn one altered creation, you auto lose the matchup because you'll go altered creation, which really doesn't do anything because I'm playing with exclusively three prizers anyway. So you still have to take two knockouts. So they go altered creation. I go okay, cool. Uh, Kaleidostorm, knockout, take three prizes, and then they don't have uh, they don't have ultimate rate to power up their zations. So before they can zation, I go okay. Attach struggle gloves, GX attack, two hundred thirty damage for knockout, <laughs> and then at that point I've just got a boss at NA and and just take it out. You know what I mean? So yeah. Now, granted, I I came across a lot of really good ADP players that saw that and were like, "All right, cool. Uh, here's this wombo combo. Turn to Brave Blade, three prizes. Like, okay, <laughs> scoop. <laughs> Respect. You have a good deck. Yeah, I mean, there was just like so much going on with this card and. It became a love-to-hate-it type thing, at least for me. I will say, the League Battle deck did come out. I did buy it. I made some changes to the list, and I did play it. I will say, at the very least, anytime I played this deck on the ladder, I don't think I lost a single time with this deck on the ladder. And every single time, I came out the other end cackling like... <laughs> you know, like, like, remember when I was playing Single Strike for the first time? Yeah. And I was just going nuts. I was basically doing that. <laughs> and, I mean, and I was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? I'm sick of losing with my off-meta decks, my Ampharos, my Milotic. They're not doing too good. I'm playing ADP and I'm taking some dubs real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this card is a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway... I mean, I wanted to cover this card, because I think it's a pretty, like, meta-defining card for an entire, like, era in Pokemon. And we talk about it a lot, so I figured we should just talk about it. Plus, like Phelan said it earlier, I think before we started the podcast, the the alternate full art for Cosmic Eclipse oh, is gorgeous. God tier. So good. I will say that every artwork of this card, except for the full art, because the full art is just, it's got that olive drab background, it's awful. But the the alternate art is great. It's like the st- it's they're all stone statues, and it's like this ancient Sinnoh thing, and it's so cool. I really like the the regular artwork though. Like I don't know, there's something about the way that one's done that's just like it really makes the trio very imposing. Yeah. But also, if you look closely at Arceus, you'll notice he has the the color on his arches match that when he's carrying the dragon plate. Because, you know, it's a dragon-type card. So, I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's some good attention to detail. Yeah. And if you want to go a little bit further, I mean, the attack cost, water, steel, colorless. One of all three. Yeah, it's all their alternate types. Yep. One last thing I will say about the card, just while we're on the thematics of it all. Um, If you compare this to, like, other Dialga and Palkia and Arceus, like, the, the singular... Dialga, Palkia, Arceus cards, you'll actually, like, notice a lot of similarities. So, like, people have, like, got, okay, Ultimate Ray is, like, Arceus's portion of the card. As, you know, I mean, we've seen Arceus V-Star. It basically does the same thing. You know, Ultimate Ray is Arceus's portion of the card. The first effect of Altered Creation 
the 30 damage is Dialga's portion of the card because it requires the metal energy. And then the taking the extra prize card is like Palkia manipulating space to give you an extra prize card. So it's just like it all coalesces like thematically and it's just like, mm, mm, mm. chef's kiss. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> in, in my head, after you finished explaining that, I was like, Agent has a three retreat cost because there's three of them. <laughs> I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, you're probably right. <laughs> Yeah, so thematically speaking, I love this card, but like actually playing the game, unless it's expanded, because like expanded is like, there's so much going on in that format that like, even this is like, whatever, even though you can get the full effect ultra creation for one attachment of double dragon energy, <laughs> there, there's a support, there's a supporter that will actually remove the altered creation effect entirely though. So like, if you really hate ADP, you could just run one of. A Pokemon Ranger? Anyway, anyway, yeah, so ADP. I hated it in Standard, and Expanded, it's fine. Like, whatever. And thematically, it's chef's kiss. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's time we get to the news. It is time we get to the, to the news. But before we do that, everyone, please let us know what you think about Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX. I was about to say in the comments below, this is not a YouTube video, but you can hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter. Hit us up at Damage Counter or Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com. If you prefer email, let us know what you think of ADP. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you not even know what it is? If you do, I bless you. You are you are a blessed child. <laughs> let us know what you think. But yes, uh, as you mentioned, it is time to get into the news. We got some very interesting news stories. You know, a lot of our previous episodes have been really just talking about the tournament scene. As, uh, you know, product news has been a little a little light recently, but... And while I guess that technically remains to be the case, we do still have some interesting news outside of the tournaments anyway, so let's go ahead and get into it. Josh, it almost feels like we, we summoned this first news story here. We talked about it a little bit last week. We're like, hey, where's rotation? We haven't heard about it yet. We're getting all this news about new sets. We're past due for the time of a rotation announcement. What's going on? Well, Josh, we have summoned the answer. Pokemon has announced that uh, the standard format rotation will not take place until early 2023. Wow. Yeah, which is about uh, six months late. We usually kind of expect it around like August, September, usually... Uh, when that set comes out around that time. So, like, for example, if we were going by previous years, by the time Lost Origin came out, uh, Sword and Shield through Vivid Voltage would have rotated out of the format. As for why there's the delay on rotation this year, I couldn't tell you. Uh, though they don't state it specifically, a lot of people have just kind of basically have already assumed, basically already written it off as fact, that this rotation is happening late in an attempt to get us lined up with Japan's format. Um, I might need to fact check this, but from what, if, if I remember correctly, I think I saw somebody on Twitter, I think it might have been Justin Basil or something, mentioned that that's closer to around when Japan does their rotation. Uh, I might need to fact check that, but if that's the case, then that's almost assuredly what's happening here. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 
it would make sense. They've they've obviously they haven't like been trying to hide it or anything. They're making attempts to get like everyone on the same rotation. Yeah, they've been making very obvious steps towards it. Uh, I think the biggest indicator is uh, the introduction of the regulation mark with base set sword and shield. It's something that Japan has had on all their cards for God knows how long. Uh, you know, Japan has done their their standard format rotations via these regulation marks for years now, and uh, it wasn't something we had, we had gotten on any of our cards until until base set sword and shield. So. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's most likely what's happening here. Um, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm not really sure, because really, the only thing that, like, changes with this format, if we rotate out the first four Sword and Shield sets, is that we lose, like, the Inteleon engine, and, like, that's about it. Like, cards from Sword and Shield, Rebel Clash, Darkness Ablaze, and, uh vivid voltage there's not really a lot of cards in those sets that see a lot of play i mean i guess again outside of the intellion engine and like crobat like those are the only cards from those four sets that really see like a ton of competitive use so yeah that's about all i can think about is really the two hitters from that and i think the intellion engine is already pretty safely replaced with a lot of these turbo decks that we're seeing there's the people that are going to keep using the intellion engine until you can't anymore yeah, we, we've gotten alternate options uh, as, as newer sets have come out. As you mentioned, the Turbo Engine with Celebrations Mew. Uh, Mew Shoes, as people like to, to refer yeah. to it as. Or Bidoof, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Bibarel, which, I mean, all of the decks that are playing Inteleon could could very easily just go to Bibarel, but, like, that that really becomes, like, a playstyle thing at that point, like... Because if you run Barrel, like, you have to run less tech options and more copies of certain cards. But, like, yeah. it ends up being just as consistent if you do it that way. Whereas, like, the Inteleon engine, it's a little... Tech. Yeah, it's a little slower and it, it it's a little bit vulnerable in certain situations. But it allows you to just cherry pick the specific tech card you need for that situation. So, that's like a, you know, that's, that's another one of those playstyle debates there. But... Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So, like I said, I, I'm okay with a late rotation. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's fine. Um, oh, quick ball. That's another thing. We would actually lose quick ball <laughs> if rotation happens. So, <laughs> that's a pretty big surely, one. Surely we get quick ball back before then. Uh, I would hope so. Unfortunately, I am not confident. Uh, Pokemon has has a history of, like, introducing, like, these generation-specific, like, Pokemon search cards, like Nest Ball and Timer Ball and Sun and Moon giving them, like, their one run, and then, like, that's it. Um, I mean, th there have been several formats where, like, Ultra Ball is, like, your only option. <laughs> so, I don't know, but, you know, we'll see. Um, so, you know, I I'm okay with keeping rotation till 2023. I, I, I mean, this format is great. I think Sword and Shield to Astral Radiance is probably the best the format has been in a very long time, in my opinion. Um, so good stuff there. But what this news also tells us is the kind of format that we can expect for the World Championships in August. Uh, since rotation will not be happening, and since we know Lost Origin will be releasing in September, that means uh, the World Championship format will be uh, Sword and Shield up to Pokemon Go. 
So we've already got a pretty solid idea of what worlds will look like. As uh, I don't know about you, Pokemon Go has a lot of very, like very sneakily competitive cards, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's like going to super shake up the meta before worlds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've got a pretty good idea of what worlds look like. We'll yeah, obviously we'll see some Pokemon Go techs here and there. I'm sure some of the radiant Pokemon in that set are really good. Um, all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, got rotation coming up. World's format, we know what it is. So, for those going to Worlds, they know what to test. For those of us that are spectating, maybe participating in side events, you know, that's that's the format we can expect to be watching. And honestly, at this point, I'm just excited to see... I mean, excited to see Pokemon Go. I'm excited to see the World Championships. Uh, there's, there's a lot to be excited for right now. 100%. But from one new story to the next... Yet another thing we've been waiting a long time for. Josh, we finally, finally have translations of some of the cards that will be debuting in our Lost Origin set. As well as translations for the Zeraora Deoxys V-Star V-Max decks that are releasing in Japan. Uh, have you had a chance to look at some of these translations? Yeah, so I was looking over this list the other day, earlier this week, and of course, the first thing that caught my eye, caught my eye, is the Giratina V Star. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you know, we'll get into that here in a second. <laughs> Obviously, it's eye catcher. It's like the biggest one in the set. Uh, not too much else that caught me. Thought it was cool to see the Delphox V. I love Delphox. Yeah, so. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting a Delphox either. So when I saw that, like. The, these trains or the 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 cards got leaked as I was driving to Columbus, so I had some people in the car reading it off, and I was like, "Dill Fox V, read that, read that right now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, besides that, this confirmed what a lot of us already knew. It had lost in the name. Obviously, that means uh, lost zones We're coming going back into the lost zone. A mechanic <laughs> that I wish they would just make permanent at this point. Yeah, we, we've talked about this a couple of times. Don't really understand why this can't just stay. It has to, like, come and go like it does. But, you know, it's back. <laughs> it's it's back, and oh boy, is it bringing a lot of toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and break some of these down. Um, I was about to say we probably won't talk about all of these, and I already know we're going to talk about all these because all of these are insanely broken. Um, and will work very well in a Lost Zone-themed deck. Y'all will know what I'm getting at here in just a second. But we talked about Delphox, and I want to talk about Delphox. Because Delphox is cool. Delphox is cool. Absolutely. Fire-type Pokemon V with 210 HP. For one Fire Energy, you got Spooky Torch. Your opponent's active Pokemon is now burned and confused. Okay, whatever. For two Fire Energy and one Colorless, you have Magical Fire. You do 120 damage and put two energy cards attached to this Pokemon in the Lost Zone. If you do, this attack also does 120 damage to one of your opponent's benched Pokemon. That's just rapid flow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so so one of those has to hit the active, so it's a little different. But outside of that, it's just Lost Zone rapid flow. On a V. Yeah, on, on a basic Pokemon. That you, I mean, well, we'll get to energy acceleration here in a bit. Actually, you know what? Why, why don't we just jump ahead here? Because a lot of these, a lot of these lost zone Pokemon, 
are going to take advantage of this absurdly broken item card. Uh, I'm gonna, so I'm going to jump in here with this real quick. Josh, have you read the Mirage Gate card? Yes. This card is broken. <laughs> Mirage Gate is an item card. It says you may play this card only if you have seven cards or more in your Lost Zone. And trust me, that's a lot easier to do than you might think. Search your deck for up to two basic energy of different types and attach them to your Pokemon in any way you like, then shuffle your deck. That is <laughs> essentially a basic energy version of Elisa Sparkle as an item card. Can, yeah, that you can do as many times as you want. Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, you know, they got to be two different types of energy, so there's going to be a little bit of a hurdle there. Not necessarily with Giratina, because it's a dragon type, but, you know... So that's the thing. You could just like throw two on the Delphox, attach return, or if you're crazy and like are also running Magma Basin in here, you can attach one to Delphox, one somewhere else, Magma Basin, attach return, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Um I'll be honest, I don't really expect Delphox to see a ton of play. I think a lot of these lost zone decks are basically just gonna be turbo Giratina and then just hit face as hard as possible. But the Delphox is a cool card. I could see it as a tech option for people wanting to play uh, Giratina or a Lost or uh, a lost Zone-themed deck. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's pretty solid, especially if, you know, you, you catch the metagame uh, while people are trying to disrespect bench damage, which <laughs> surprisingly is still happening every now and again. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, if somebody just decided to disrespect, like, Urshifu and stuff and not run Manaphy, you can punish that. So, yeah. anyway, fun card there. I love Delphox, uh, so I wanted to cover that one. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and do Giratina here. We'll just get the Vs and yeah, V-Stars out of the way. let's go ahead and get them out of the way, yeah. So, I'll do a quick cover of both. Starting with Giratina V. So, his first attack here for one colorless Abyss Seeker. Look at the top four cards of your deck, put two of them in your hand, and put the remaining cards in the Lost Zone. Uh, pretty good, like, for turn one, for what you want this deck to do. I mean, that's a pretty good attack. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty great option, turn one going second. Um, yeah. Especially, like, if you're going up against a deck that has, like, a weak opening turn that maybe won't be able to do, like, 220 damage on, like, turn two. Uh, which, I mean, I guess isn't a whole lot, but, I mean, they exist. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, it's not bad though. Second attack here, we got Shred for a glass, grass, psychic, and a colorless. 160 damage, and this attack's damage isn't affected by any effects on your opponent's active Pokemon. So I mean, pretty easy, like solid damage dealing option for the V. Yeah, and... I I will say 160 damage with a Shred effect. Uh, like, or you could just ignore effects. Like, that's actually, that's actually Pretty really good. good. Like, yeah. usually these shred type attacks, like, usually don't deal a ton of damage. Like, Dragapult VMAX has it, for example, but it only does, like, 60. So the fact that, like, Giratina here is, like, yeah, 160 and ignore all effects is just like, oh my god, that's, that's a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, has the exact same attack cost as its attacks for its V-Star, which is really cool. So, like, you can power this thing up and you're not wasting any energy if you're waiting to get the V-Star. Yeah, yeah. But, let's get into the V-Star here. So, we got Lost Impact for Grass Psychic Colorless, 280 damage. 
put two energy attached to your Pokemon in the loss zone. That's insane damage. That is an Go, absurd amount of damage. Going into like a V-Star prominent format, that's a one-hit KO without damage modifiers on like every single V-Star. If they don't have anything on them either. Yeah, it, dude, that is so crazy to me. And like, I was discussing this with some of the guys I went with to NAIC. You know, I went with Jake. We had him on the show uh, after Indianapolis covering Arceus and Teleon. I was talking with him about it, and I was like, dude, you don't need to run Choice Belt. You just run Tool Jammer. That way people can't put big charms on their Pokemon to get away from this. <laughs> like, like, there's no need to run Belt. You just put on a Jammer... So you ignore that their tools just have no effect, no big charms, no nothing, and then you just one shot them. Yeah, this it's thing. <laughs> this thing is a walking nuke that can very realistically lost impact every turn consistently. Yeah, it can do it every turn. It can go from zero energy to this lost impact just, just, just at the drop of a hat, thanks yep. to that Mirage Gate item we covered. And it's just like, oh my god! Now I will say. You know, you do put two energy attached to your Pokemon in the Lost Zone. I'm hoping, because I am worried about this. I genuinely am a little worried about this card. I'm hoping that that's enough of a drawback to, like, where this deck just won't absolutely demolish this format. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I'm not confident either. I'm going to be honest with you. No. Because, like, I don't know. I, I guess... haven't even gone over Star Quelm yet. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, we'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> but when you look at the counts, right, like, let's let's assume you're taking two prizes every turn. Because, you know, that's like perfect V-Star math. You go, uh -huh. lost impact, 280 damage. Let's say you used a Mirage Gate to power this up in the first place. That's one Mirage Gate gone. You lost impact, that's two energy gone. And you take two prizes. Yeah, you still have three copies of Mirage Gate in your deck. So as long as you have enough energy in your deck to facilitate just doing that over and over again, like... Yeah, that, and you can play other ways to help yourself get energy, too, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, this is Psychic, so you can run, like, Fog Crystals to help get Psychic energy. There's, there's a decent enough energy-grabbing options. I could see, like, this deck being bad in a long-game scenario. Like, if, yeah. you're burning, if you're burning those energies without taking KOs, you're in a pretty bad spot. Yeah, w without taking KOs, without taking meaningful KOs, um, this deck is, I, I will say, this deck probably will not like one prize one prize decks at all. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I guess that's something, but... I imagine if you're playing against a one-prizer, you'd probably switch to whatever backup attacker you have in this deck. Because I could see you burning through yourself before you could get, like, six prizes if you tried to just use the Giratina. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we're sitting here trying to calculate, you know, what kind of resources would be needed to take two prizes, two prizes, two prizes. And really, mapping that out really doesn't matter, because you're right, we haven't talked about Star Requiem yet. Yeah, Star Requiem. So, here we go. The V-Star ability for a Grass and a Psychic. You can only use this attack if you have ten or more cards in the Lost Zone. Your opponent's active Pokemon is now knocked out. It yep. doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what it's got on it. It's just, boop, gone. It's, it's basically Beedrill, yep. <laughs> but without, without the special energy requirement. It's, I called this thing a walking nuke earlier, and it's like a, it's like a, dude, this is like the Metal Gear of Pokemon. Like, 
You know what? Honestly. This this thing does nothing but shoot nukes. (laughs) And yet, and, and, and here's something else, man. You know what those Mew players were trying to do to avoid Beedrill from taking one-hit KOs like that? They were attaching those big parasols. Same thing works here. Except he's gonna... Th- this deck is gonna run Tooljammer. Because it doesn't need to run Belt. So Tooljammer is just gonna be like, yeah, your big parasol doesn't work. Star Requiem. <laughs> yep. Oh yep. my god, this is so disgusting. And, you know, we've only talked about this card, Delphox and Mirage Gate. We haven't um, even gotten into the, some of the support here. Yeah, we haven't gotten into some of the support here, so people are probably like, "Oh, you got to have ten cards in the, you know, in the loss of." Trust me, it's not that hard because it's we've got easy. a whole bunch of support Pokemon here, as well as uh, you know a couple items and supporter cards as well that is just going to absolutely just turbo stuff from your deck into the loss zone. I uh, this this uh, will probably be the first deck I build like immediately as soon as the set drops. I'm, I'm playing this. This looks like so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it as well. Um, whoo, boy. And, it, you know, I I believe I messaged you the other day. I was like, dude, this entire, like, everything on this page of cards here, this isn't even, like, the entire set. Like, this is just a microcosm of the set. But everything on this page here is like, wow, my entire deck has been power cre- yeah. by this page of cards. <laughs> Phelan sent me the link to this when it dropped with a following text that says, my deck is getting power crept out of the format and I don't like it. Yeah, because like, you got Delphox V, that's just Urshavu, but like for less, you know, less stuff. You got Giratina V, which is going to one-shot my Arceus, attach a choice belt, it's going to one-shot my VMAX. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh my god. I was like, dude, what... It's wild, so... Uh, <laughs> not looking forward to that, but we have some more cards to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into some of these support Pokemon I was talking about earlier. This one terrifies me. The Bayonet. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, when I read this, I was like, oh my god. This is absurd. Stage 1, <laughs> Psychic-type Pokemon, 100 HP, has the ability Puppet Memorial... Once during your turn, you may choose a supporter card from your discard pile, reveal it, and put it in your hand. If you do, put this Pokemon in the Lost Zone, discard all non-Pokemon cards attached to this Pokemon. By the way, that little wording there at the end implies that we're going to get like some kind of Pokemon that has an ability to like attach as a tool or something like that. I don't really know. That's not been revealed yet. Either way. So, you just get to chuck two or more cards if you had like energy or a tool attached to it. Into the Lost Zone, and you also get a supporter back from your discard pile. Insane. Like... Yeah, like, that. that is such a powerful effect. Like, go back to the X and Y era and see how many decks played, like, four copies of VS Seeker. Because yeah. getting getting a discard or a supporter from your discard and adding it to hand is such a powerful ability. And I'm a little scared that, like, this one deck gets access to it. I mean, realistically speaking, like, any deck could use like this lost zone engine as I'm as I'm describing it, but like I don't think any other deck is gonna want to, because like who wants to lost zone all these things? Like, you know, Giratina is gonna be built around it, obviously. Other decks aren't built with a lost zone in mind, so it's just like, do I really like you know what I mean? 
I could see Dex running maybe around like the bayonet because it's pretty self-contained. Like you could definitely run that outside of this, and it really wouldn't hurt you at all. Besides the card space it takes up to have it. That is true. That is true. But uh, you know, on the turn that you know you need to draw more, go grab that research, Marnie. Oh, you need- uh, you know, you need to get boss for the game. Go get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you need a Raihan to go cherry pick something else out of your deck on a downturn. It's you know. Yeah, I mean whatever whatever's in your discard. Yeah, really powerful effect. Uh, so it makes, when you can get uh, trainers or supporters from the discard, dude, it makes playing a supporter feel so much better because you're just like, I don't even care how many copies of this are in my deck. I'm gonna get this one back. And it makes, like, discarding them early off of things like Ultra Ball, it makes it yeah. feel, like, so much better. Because you're like, okay, whatever, I can recover this later. Yeah. Like, I have this on tap, that, like, this actually isn't that bad, because now this is on tap for whatever I need it. Exactly, yeah. And, and that's a strategy you'll see, like, expanded players do very commonly. Like, yeah. if they play, like, Battle Compressor, like, you know, they'll dump whatever they need and also throw a copy of Guzma down there or something like that. Just because they're like, okay, I have four VS Seeker, I'm gonna get it, so... Yeah. And something I will mention real quick about all of these support Pokemon we're going to talk about is every single one of these is in bench sniping range. Like, easy bench sniping range. That is true. None of these have more than 110 HP. That's the highest we got here. Um, So that's something to think about if you're thinking about building this deck list. Yeah, it is under threat of Delphox and Urshifu. Um, Some of them are under threat of Greninja. Like the Comfey that we're about to talk about, um, so not not as big a deal, but you know, Manaphy may may be an actual thing that this deck has to consider. So that's a yeah. thing, definitely something to consider. Uh, <clears throat> real quick before we get into the Comfey, we kind of skipped over Cramorant here. We did, yeah. What's going What's going on with What's going on with Big Cram over here? So this Cramorant is actually pretty sick. When you first look at it, you might think it's not that good, but when you think about it for a sec, this Cramorant's pretty cool. His ability, Lost Supply, if you have four or more cards in your Lost Zone, ignore all energy in this Pokemon's attack cost. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, his attack is Conniving Spit. Spit or Split? Spit. There we go. (laughs) I couldn't tell if there was an L in between there. Yeah. But anyway, so water, water, colorless, 110 damage. This attack isn't affected by weakness. So if you have four more cards in your loss zone, which, like we're talking about, it is not that hard to do. This is just a one prizer coming out and swinging for 110 for free, which is pretty good. I mean, 110 isn't like a phenomenal amount of damage, and it being not affected by weakness is also is kind of like eh. But even still. You know, 110 is damage regardless, and you're doing it with a one pricer, right? So, like, this gives uh, any any lost zone deck the option to attack with a single pricer, which is really good. Yeah, uh, it's a great it's a great stall if you need to stall for a turn. You just put this out. Yeah, if you want, want to skew prize trade. Yeah, uh, and it's also entirely possible to get that rolling by turn two, or rather, turn one going second. Uh, you are able to uh, fulfill the requirement for the uh, for the loss supply ability, turn one going second. So you can just go turn one, 110, you know, leave your Giratinas on the bench while you try to power them up. 
and just have this guy active, force your opponent to have a boss if they want to try to get you before you evolve, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So yeah, really solid, really solid Pokemon. Yeah, definitely. But, alright, how about you go over old Comfy here? Old Comfy. Old Comfy here. The first Comfy card we've had since... Like, it only, it only got one card in Sun and Moon, and then that's it. That's the only card it's ever had, so... Yeah. So Lil, Lil Comfy is joining us as a basic Psychic-type Pokemon with 70 HP. Has the ability Flower Picking. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon is in the active spot, you may look at the top two cards of your deck, put one of them in your hand and the other card into the Lost Zone. Essentially Acro Bike, but on an ability, and, you know, things go to the Lost Zone. And... This card, as well as the supporter that we're going to cover next, those two, in combination with each other, are the reason we keep saying it's a lot easier to get stuff into the Lost Zone than you might think. Like, because you can have a couple of these, you know, slap an air, bo- air, air balloon on it, play a switch, do something. You can go, yeah, flower picking, look at the top two, okay, that goes to the Lost Zone. Retreat into the other one, flower picking, look at the top two, okay, that goes to the Lost Zone. You know what I mean? Like, you can kind of chain these. Um, yeah. And start looking through your deck. It's going to be very integral to uh, early game. Or like the early game plan for Giratina, I feel. So it's definitely going to be a good card. And it's definitely going to help you reach those Lost Zone requirements that you need for like Mirage Gate and Star Requiem and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, these will be pretty easy to swap around, like you said. Run a couple of these, a couple switches, some like scoop up nets, air balloons. Oh yeah, scoop up net. Pretty easy. Yeah. Scoop up net's such a broken card in this format, and it's hilarious to me. I know, it's so good, dude. When I was, when I was playing uh, Reggie's today, it's just every time like something I need to move it, it's just like, scoop up net. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just funny. It's always just funny. Wait, wait. Like, it isn't, this isn't a hard like ability to work around and get off multiple times a turn while you're getting set up. And... Yeah, if you've, if you've played the Mewshoes engine, you already know how to maneuver this. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. Just with a different effect. So how about we talk about this corresponding supporter here? Yeah, big man Colrus joining us from the Unova region. Yeah. We got the Colrus experiment. So you can look at the top five cards of your deck, put three of them into your hand, and put the remaining cards in the loss zone. So easy look at top five, you get a plus three, and you have two cards in your loss zone. Great. Yep. What this deck wants to do, that is great. Like, and you get to choose what goes in the lost zone. You really couldn't ask for more with a card like this. Yeah, I mean, this is this is straight up just perfect for this kind of deck. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna help you turbo things in the lost zone more, and it's just boom, there you go. So like again, that four for lost supply, the ten for star requiem, and the seven for mirage gate. It's not going to be terribly difficult. (laughs) Not at all. Of course, this will be like a perfect supporter to get back with the Bayonet as well in most situations. It just, I mean, this is going to be a must-have for probably any deck running like the Lost Engine. I'm sure we'll have a couple more Pokemon that come out that use it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an easy four of. Yeah. Like, no doubt about it. So we got... One more item card here, though, and then we just have the stadium left, I believe. Yep. We have Lost Sweeper. It's a little little handheld vacuum. Yeah, why does this look like a dustbuster? 
It, it does. I, I gotta admit, though, that effect on the inside of, like, the glass. Oh, that yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. that part. But anyway, Lost Sweeper. You put a card in your hand into the Lost Zone in order to use this card. Like we said earlier, super easy to get cards into the Lost Zone. <laughs> and then you get to choose either a Pokemon tool card or stadium card in play, yours or your opponent's, and put it into the Lost Zone. That's a great card. Really yeah. good. Yeah, that is a that's a pretty good card. I feel like um, the, this is a card that will not be exclusive to Giratina. I mean, I'm sure that's obvious, but this is actually pretty crazy because now decks that really hate Path have like this extra option to get it out of play so that they can get their abilities back, which I think is cool, actually. As much as, like, you know, we need Path to keep Mew from going on a tirade, like, at the same time, like, it, you know, it, it, it's such a powerful stadium that I'm okay with something like this existing to get it out of play. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, just, just something interesting about it that I, that I thought of. It, it definitely makes sense. And I almost feel like that we're getting this with Giratina. Because they were like, well, we want Giratina to be able to use his ability. Let's give him an extra option to sweep path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, definitely an awesome item card. So how about you take us into the Lost City? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Lost City Stadium card. When a Pokemon is knocked out, put it in the Lost Zone instead of discarding it. All non-Pokemon cards attached to that Pokemon are discarded. That's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, that could hurt a lot of decks, potentially. Yeah, I remember reading it initially and being like, I mean, okay, I guess, like, whatever. But I was reading some forum posts, some Twitter posts about it, and somebody mentioned, like, every deck is going to run this stadium. Because yeah. everybody gets value. You put it into play, you knock out your opponent's Pokemon, and it goes to the loss of... They can't recover it. There's no Ordinary Rod, no Clara. Nothing can get it out of there. So, in decks that heavily rely on recovery, this card is going to absolutely invalidate those decks. Yeah. Like, they used Reggie's as an example, because, like, you I know... Was, that's, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know, the Reggie deck plays, like, two copies of each, and they recycle them with Ordinary Rod so they can keep getting them into play. If you lose two of your, like, you know, all of your copies of a Reggie because somebody went Bump Stadium, Lost City, Knockout on the same whole, Reggie twice, that's yeah, it. Your whole engine's dead. You lose. Yeah. That's it. You just lose. <laughs> like, like, even if you manage to bump this later, it doesn't matter. Your Pokemon are still in the Lost Zone. Yeah. So, for that reason, I'm a little terrified. Um, now, if if you play a deck that already doesn't recover things from the discard, your discard might as well be a lost zone anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's that, but you know that there's quite a good number of decks that play recovery cards. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I do want to say because I can already see people getting this confused. Even though this isn't play, if you're playing something that discards Pokemon, I'm pretty sure they don't go to the Lost Zone, right? Yeah, it's only it's only if a Pokemon is knocked out. Yep, because I can already see the match where someone's gonna like play a research with Lost City in effect, and the dude, someone's gonna be like, "You got to put all your Pokemon in the uh, in the Lost Zone." Yeah, yeah. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, no, not not how that works. <laughs> but anyway, Lost Origin. Uh, 
oh my god, we just went from not hearing about this set to just being like, yeah, this is going to break the whole format. Yeah, this is going to snap the format in half. And that's not even considering the fact that, yeah, Lost Origin is going to have Giratina, but it's also going to have Hisui and Zoroark and Hisui and Gudra. Yeah. Which are also very good cards in their own right, especially Zoroark. This is going to be a crazy set. It's going to power creep this format, I swear. Where's my shiny Gardevoir V-Star? It's pack artwork. It has to happen. Well, that's for the that's for the Radiant Gardevoir that's in the set. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I would be I would be hands down for that. I know. <laughs> it's a man of dead hopes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's it's more realistic than me getting an Ampharos V Max or V Star. All right. So. <laughs> But that's not the only set of translations that we got this weekend. This one will be a little quicker. We got the Deoxys and Zeraora V-Star V-Max decks coming from Japan. These are structure decks that are releasing in Japan. Um, these will most like, like these cards will most likely appear in a set for us. I don't know if they'll be in Lost Origin or in the set afterwards. Um, but we usually don't get these structure decks here. But the unique thing about both of these is that uh, these decks feature not only V-Star uh, Pokemon for this deck, but also equivalent V-Max Pokemon. So it gives you this yeah. kind of interesting dynamic where, at least if you're playing these structure decks as they come out of the package, it gives you this interesting dynamic where you've got to choose whether or not you want to evolve your Zeraora or Deoxys into the V-Star or the V-Max, and I am 110% down for this kind of game design. This is this is really cool. Like, I, I wish me and you could get a hold of one of these right now and both just pick a deck and play. Yeah, I mean, that would that would be awesome. Uh, these cards, we've got some pretty interesting cards here, man. So I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about these. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you pick first. Do you want to talk about Deoxys or do you want to talk about Zerora? Uh... I'll talk about Deoxys. All right, all right. What we got going on with Deoxys? So for Deoxys V, we got basic V here, pretty much. Psychic into colorless. You get to do Psychic, 30 damage plus. Third does 30 more damage for each energy attached to your opponent's active Pokemon. I mean, we've seen that ability before, or this attack pretty much all over the place. Pretty standard, pretty yeah. good for a V attack. Second attack is a Psychic 2 colorless, uh, 140 damage. Pretty standard, pretty meh. Not bad, not great. Yeah, it's um, just a, it's just a Pokemon V attack, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Pokemon V, but here we got that V Max. I love this card. We we start to cook it up a little. Three thirty HP, so he's a chunky boy. He's big boy. He's, he's big. His ability, protective DNA. Your Pokemon in play take thirty less damage from attacks by your opponent's Pokemon. Uh, an Pokemon ability that wall. Oh, sorry. Opponent Pokemon V Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, an ability that's like while saving lackluster, uh, V Stars are becoming more popular than more of the standard attacks, attackers in deck. And as pretty as many cards have taught us, like Oricorio, don't ever underestimate taking thirty percent less damage. Yeah, I, I was gonna say don't don't snuff on thirty. I mean, Choice Belt is a good card for a reason. That, that thirty <laughs> yeah. extra damage counts. It uh. It could very plausibly take you from a lot of knockout positions to being just fine for another turn. And do you want to know my favorite part about this card? Huh? That effect stacks. 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Yes, yeah, it does. He's, he's a big boy, and that ability stacks. So you and, get four of those into play. Your your opponent's V stars are doing 120 less damage. less damage, and that's not all. With your attack here, max drain for psychic color is colorless. You do 160 and you heal 30 from this Pokemon. So I mean, not amazing damage. 160 is a pretty respectable number, though. That's too shot for most things in the format. Yeah, <laughs> but just just a little tip of the tea. Yeah, heal 30 damage from this Pokemon. Oh, yeah, dude. It, this is going to be, like... I feel like people are just going to be like, yeah, quad Deoxys VMAX, okay? Nothing else. Just four Deoxys, four Deoxys VMAX, a bunch of healing cards. Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. if you run a very V-Star-heavy deck, which a lot of the top decks right now are, this thing will outlast you. It will out-tank you. Yeah, you're, you're not getting up. through this thing at all. <laughs> which is pretty sick. Well, let's go to the counterpart here real quick, the V-Star. So like Phelan said, this these two structure decks, or whatever you want to call them, have both the V-Max and a V-Star, so you have choices to make while you're playing. We have the So for the V-Star here, we have Psy Javelin, Psychic, Psychic, Colorless, 190 damage. This attack also does 60 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon V. I mean... That's pretty good. Yeah, one ninety is not a bad number, and getting to do sixty to an opponent V is like never a bad thing. Yeah, I feel like I I genuinely feel like we kind of have like a dragapult situation here, where yeah. it's just like you're setting up damage for like these big massive like I'm taking like five prize card type turns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't know. That's just what I see with this, and of course, like if you put belt on it you know you're doing like what 220 to active which is pretty good that'll knock out most pokemon v before they evolve so yeah. not not too bad i think the, the the biggest thing would be like how do we power this attack up like that's that's the biggest thing true and for it to be star power you have star force 60 times damage this attack does 60 damage for each energy attached to both active pokemon so i mean potentially a really hard-hitting attack depending on what you're fighting and how much energy you want to invest in this. I'd say, like, on average, if you wanted to say you have your normal three for side javelin attached, you're doing, what, 180? Yeah. So that's not uh, amazing. You could beef it up, and your opponent will definitely have some energy to help beef it up. Yeah, but it's... I don't know. It's, it's a little lackluster. It's very reminiscent of Mewtwo EX from way back in, like, what, Black and White Next Destinies, I think it is. It had mm -hmm. the X-Ball attack, 20 damage for each energy attached to both active Pokemon. Uh, and then, you know, that attack got rebirthed, basically, with Eveltal EX's Evil Ball, which basically did the same thing, except it was 20+. plus. Both of yeah. which were, like, ridiculously powerful attacks for their format. So, I do think this will actually... Uh, be pretty meaningful in a lot of scenarios, especially mm -hmm. like if you include belt, right? Because like if you have three, like we'll take Mew for example. If you have three, Mew has two. That's one eighty plus one twenty. That's already three hundred damage. You throw on a belt, that's an extra thirty, right? So yeah, like those those sixties add up quick. <laughs> Yeah, and true, and you could also, like, depending on what deck you're running, like, if you are running both of these, you could say, like, have the de 
Deoxys VMAX out front tanking while you're building up this V-Star in the background to come out for, like, a big swing. So, like, on a turn when they promote their biggest hitter or whatever go in, then you can have this built and ready in the background to come out and, like, take a sweet KO. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It'll It'll definitely be powerful, and if it becomes, like, a deck that's popular in the meta, it's... <laughs> people are definitely going to start watching their energy counts. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're just like, I'm not getting Star Force, bro. I'm not doing it. I mean, <laughs> and then, you know, Ice Rider players are going to be like, all right, Max Lance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty hard-hitting attack there. Oh, definitely. Put a, put a Reggie Gigas in the dirt all the way down. Oh, yeah. I will say, just before we move on to Zara Aura, I love how, like, the V, the V-Max, and the V-Star are all different forms of Deoxys. Yeah, that's a really nice touch. Yeah, like, the V-Max is the defense form, which makes sense because it's just so tanky. Yeah. I just thought that was cool, but... Alright, let's, let's let's go ahead and wrap up some of these translations here, then we'll uh, get into some of the tournaments that have been happening. We've also got Zara Aura. Zara Aura V... Basic Pokemon V, 210 HP, Lightning-type Pokemon, Lightning and Colorless. You got Claw Slash, 50 damage. And uh, for two Lightning and a Colorless, you got Thunderous Bolt, 190 damage. This Pokemon can't attack during your next turn. Pretty standard Pokemon V stuff happening there, nothing too special. We got Zara Aura V Max. This card's very interesting to me. 30, uh, 320 HP. You have the attack reaction pulse. Two lightning energy. You do 60 damage for each of your opponent's Pokemon that has an ability. Abilities are very popular right now. Yeah. So, like, three abilities in play, that's already 180 damage. That's pretty good. Uh, and, of course, that's not factoring in belt as well, if you want to run that. This attack absolutely bodies Palkia. <laughs> <laughs> Palkia yeah, doesn't stand a chance against this attack. <laughs> no, anything that runs like the Inteleon engine or the Barrel, like you were any pretty much any of these Pokemon engines put you right in the dirt immediately. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um and, and that kind of goes for Mew as well, what with all the Genesex and Genesex, the Oracorio yeah. and yeah. So uh that's gonna be interesting to look out for. That's probably probably officially our best Palkia counter right here. And yeah. then uh, you've also got Max Fists, Lightning, Lightning, Colorless, 240 damage, discard 2 energy from this Pokemon. I'm not too excited about that. I don't really... Eh, discarding energy feels kind of bad. Um, but, you know, Lightning's got ways to get it back out. Well, you know, you got the Dynamotor Flaffy, so you can pivot between two Zero or Maxes, for example. Um, you could play Spark, I guess, from Pokemon yeah. Go. <laughs> I guess. Um, it's, it's got... There's decent amount of ways to get it back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you could always run this with our Lord and save, our, save your Arceus if you really wanted to. But that's, yeah. neither, that's neither here nor there. No, I think I think hitting for 240 is a pretty feels-bad number, honestly. It's a... Uh... It, it it depends on the tools you have, right? Because, like, we've, yeah. seen, we've seen in the past, like, 240 can work. Um, cause you know, you hit 240, belt puts you at 270, Zigzagoon puts you at 280. You're at least KOing V-Stars that way. Yeah. I mean, and with, say the, 
if you're using the V-Star too, it has ways to help set up for KO situations that we'll go over here. So there's definitely options to help this out. Yeah, absolutely. One hitting number. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the discarding the energy that feels bad because it's like, well, if I'm gonna like do this wombo combo with a 240 attack to KO a V-Star, like why don't I just play Corviknight at that point? Like, yeah, like it's just it's just better. It's got free retreat. I don't have to discard anything. Like, definitely. Now, of course, I mean, don't get me wrong. Reaction Pulse is a ridiculously good attack for the format because LOL Palkia, but yeah, <laughs> that's probably the real reason to run this card, honestly. Oh, definitely. But, you know, like you said, there is a V-Star, so let's go ahead and talk about him real quick. Lightning-type V-Star, 270 HP. Two Lightning and a Colorless, Crashing Beat, 190 damage, and you may discard an, uh, a Stadium card in play. I'm a little underwhelmed by that attack. 190 isn't bad. Again, you put a belt on it, you hit 220, which is a good number. But, eh. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I mean... Getting to discard a stadium for free is kind of nice, but not... I don't know, nothing really to care about, in my opinion. Yeah, there's not, like... Because it's not like there's a stadium that, like, hinders this deck in any way. Like, if Lost, if, like, if Lost City is in play, like, why discard it? Why just take the... Why not just take the knockout and Lost Zone your opponent's Pokemon, right? Like... Yeah. You don't care about Path, because you don't have any abilities. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's a little weird, but... Okay, is what it is. You got the V-Star power. This is pretty interesting. It's a hefty cost. You got three lightning energy and a colorless. Choose one of your opponent's Pokemon four times. You can choose the same Pokemon more than once. For each time you choose a Pokemon, do 60 damage to it. And this attack's damage is not affected by weakness and resistance. This is kind of interesting. Because... You're selecting a different Pokemon. You're basically doing four separate pings, and each ping is going to do 60 damage. Yep. So this is pretty interesting because, like, if you can punish people for just, like, scoop-up netting their Sobbles, like, without care, you're just like, ping, take out that Sobble, ping, take out that Sobble, you know, start taking out these tiny baby support Pokemon. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy, honestly, when you think about it. You're getting to split, like, 240 however you want to. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite part about this is if you attach uh, Telescopic Sight to this, those pings, as long as you're targeting a, a V or a GX, those pings become 90 damage. So you can... Put all four on a VMAX if you have a telescopic sight. You can hit a benched VMAX for like 90, 180, 270, 360 damage. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. So I think that's like the true power behind this Thunderstar attack. Because like, yeah. and you know, you could do the same thing to active as well as long as you have a choice belt. Um, So... You know, there's some pretty interesting stuff happening there. It's just it's just a matter of getting that energy cost, man. Like, three lightning and a colorless, that's not easy to power up. No, that's some, that was definitely something I was going to say. Like, if you're trying to play the split Zerora line, I don't know if you really could. The energy requirements, if you tried to play both at once, run so steep. Yeah. Like, even using Dino Motor, it would be really hard to like use both of these at once. Like, that VSAR ability alone... 
I, it's feasible, I guess, if you build your deck the right way, but that is like that requires some investment to get off. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent, and it's it, it's really awkward. Like, like I said, like you just kind of have to commit to like either the V Max or the V Star. Like, there's not really a ton of great synergy there. Um, but I mean, that being said, if you build solely around them. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit for you to get that Thunderstar, but man, if you get it, you are going to take a crazy turn. You know what I mean? Like, just like, uh, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like if you wanted to run like a Zorora box, you'd be better off using the Rapid Strike one as, instead of like one of the V's. I feel like the Rapid Strike's ability would fit in better. Oh yeah, that was uh. That was something we were talking about when we were looking at the translations on our way to NAIC. We were like, you don't even you don't even touch the Zero Aura V that comes in this because it's it's not it's not great. Yeah. You just play the one that came out in Chilling Rain, and then like if you have some rapid strike support in there, then like cool, you can use you can use cross fist and it's such a yeah. good attack. But uh it, yeah. Definitely really cool. Really cool, like two theme decks, I guess, that we're getting. Yeah, yeah, and I and like I said, I, I I really do appreciate like the game design being like, okay, you have to choose between a V Star or V Max for you know for your evolution here. What do you choose? What's best? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really like. I will say, I love that Pokemon did this with this whole V era. That instead of just like flat out like ending it and phasing it out like they usually do. They dropped V stars, which builds on top of the Vs. And yeah. while V maxes are, for the most part, I think going away or like slowly retreating to the background, it's still really cool to like be in this era where you do have the option with some Pokemon where it's like, do I want to go V? Do I want to go V star? Oh, which like which is better right now? Which helps me more? It's a really interesting dynamic to introduce. I love it. Yeah, and you know what? For that reason alone, I've been wanting to build like Leafeon and Glaceon lately, just so I could just be like, yeah, I've got both V Star and V Max in this deck. Yeah, like just yeah. just to play around with it. Oh, most definitely. Now, before we move on to the tournament results from these past weeks, there is one more card that is revealed from these structure decks. Josh, have you read the Camo Poncho? I have. This is a little crazy. Yeah, why don't you read that off for us? Yeah, so if you're familiar with Moon and Sun Badge that came out in Evolving Skies, it is a tool card that could only be attached to Espeon and Umbreon V and VMAX. It prevented them from being affected by supporters. Camo Poncho says, If the Pokemon this card is attached to is a Pokemon V-Star or Pokemon VMAX, whenever your opponent plays a supporter card from their hand, prevent all effects of that card done to this Pokemon. Oh, every V star and every V max just potentially became boss proof. <laughs> we all about to be boss proof. <laughs> that is wild to me. Now, like we have like tool scrapper in the format. So like, you know, if this becomes a big thing, people just start running tool scrapper and that's fine. But like for the early phases of like whenever this comes out and people aren't running tool scrapper and they're not respecting this, whoo, this is going to be, this is going to be weird, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be weird. 
Well, yeah, I'm going to put this one prizer active. Uh, I'm attached camo poncho here. And uh, now you have to deal with this. Now you have to skew your prize trade unless you have a tool scrapper. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, if you run that, like, in conjunction with some air balloons, you just have, like, complete control of your board state at all times. Yeah, yeah, basically. Which is so wild. <laughs> I know, that's crazy. But, uh, you know, interesting little card there. I'm not really sure what effects that's going to have on the metagame. Because... I don't... I don't see it being too, too popular, just because I feel like there's so many decks that benefit too much from Choice Belt. You're right, to, yeah. Do yeah. want to get rid of, like, potential one-shots in order to make themselves boss-proof. Yeah, I will say, probably the most likely course of action, if this card is going to do anything at all, what I think people will do is people will probably start playing Shopping Center. Yeah. So that, like, if they have to retreat a Pokemon with a Choice Belt to the bench, they can go Shopping Center, take off the Choice Belt, and then attach the Camo Poncho, maybe? Yeah. That's really the only, like, that, that's, to me, is, like, the most... What I, what I would say is the most likely use case for that card. Maybe. I could see, like, <clears throat> maybe if you have the room running a couple of these, and, like, you put them under supporter Pokemon, so that way it's, like, well, my uh, Palky is inactive, and I got a camo belt or a camo coat on my, like, Inteleon. So, you have to deal with the Palkia. Like, you can grab this other Palkia that's also set up, but you can't you can't get to my engine. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, definitely you'll see some use, I think, but I just don't see people wanting to get rid of Choice Belt. It's just too good. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Um but that's that's going to do it for the translations. That's all the cards that we have from Lost Origin, as well as the Deoxys and Zera Aura V-Star V-Max battle decks. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. There's some pretty interesting stuff coming around from all this. I mean, of course, the late rotation, uh, the world's format, all that kind of good stuff. Definitely hit us up on Twitter and at email. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Catch me paying like $60 for a copy of Dialga to buy it before the set releases. Get my pre-order in place. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> basically how that works. I know. But anyway, we've had a couple tournaments since our last episode here. One that Phelan participated in. Yeah, yeah. A couple, well, you know, regional and IC. We had some fun stuff. Our, our first official tournaments in the Astral Radiance format. A lot of interesting stuff, and you know, very early on, people showing that like, oh yeah, dude, this format is sick. <laughs> this format's so sick. So, like we always do, Josh, let's take a look at the standings for Milwaukee. Is there anything outside of the top eight that stands out to you? Now, before we get into this, I, I want to say when this tournament happened, after it finished, I got a text from Phelan. And he said, it was something like, you're not going to like what I have to tell you. I was like, what? He's like, Arceus Duraladon just won Milwaukee. (laughs) (laughs) And it was about a five minute conversation of us both like lamenting. (laughs) We're just being like, why? (laughs) Yeah, as we've stated before on this podcast, we are not big personal fans of Duraladon. Nothing, uh... Well, I guess there is something against it. Screw that deck. But <laughs> nothing against you if you play it. Yeah, nothing against the player. It's just against the card. <laughs> yeah, we just hate that card. Besides that, I mean, 
lot of Palkia and Teleon, obviously. Yep. Uh, I've really enjoyed seeing these uh, Arceus Flying Pikachu lists that have popped up in response. I've been looking at quite a few of those. Just, I don't know. I love that a card that I feel like was mostly made as a meme joke Something fun to celebrate Pokemon has turned into such a viable card. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like a, like a fan service card just just to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, and it ends up being like a meta card all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that stuff works out. Oh, definitely. So, what about you? There's a couple things that stand out to me. A couple things that I was not expecting to see at all. First off. How did an Arceus Charizard deck get 37th in the Astral Radiance format? <laughs> Man was uh, fighting for his life through a water storm, probably. Dude, he must have been. I mean, look at how many Palkia are. This is just yeah. the day two people right. alone. How, go, I, I'm, <laughs> how many Palkia he... did this man have to face, and how many did he body? Like, I'm so confused. I don't know. That or he just got insanely lucky with his seeding. Yeah, maybe but just it... missed the ball. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think this man had probably had to fight through an ocean to get here. I mean, he yeah, he had to, right? Hang on, I gotta, I gotta take a look at this. Is there anything in here where, like... No, there's yeah, no, like, lightning-type tech? Spies. Anything like that, no. No, this man said, I want to play Charizard VMAX, and he uh, played that's, Charizard VMAX. That's exactly got, what he did. And he got uh, 37. So, good on you, Alex. Oh, my God, I... I don't even want to attempt the last name. I apologize. Put good <laughs> on you, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, listen. If if nothing else, that 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 just tells you uh, that just that just goes out to all those Charizard V Max players thinking their deck was dead. Apparently, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, will say, like the Weird Ear V and the Radiant Heatran are definitely like some crazy. Yeah, I'm just gonna one shot you out of nowhere type text. So yeah. maybe that's maybe that's what got him through. I don't know. I, I have to say, there are two others that really got to be. The first one being the uh, Flaffy Box deck. Oh, piloted by Ming Wang at 43rd? Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. Ho I was hoping you would mention that one. That one in the freaking Stone Journer deck. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. You, I, I heard people talking about this, and I never got a chance to look at this list. Oh, dude, look at this list. Let's take a look. Please. This is an eighteen dollar deck. This man, listen. I said the last guy came to play Charizard. Well, he came to play like Charizard. And he had other stuff there. This man said, "I'm Stone Journer, and I'm Stone Journer. Go away. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming you've... in, and I'm hitting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've played against Stone Journer." in, like, online tournaments or on the ladder. You're probably familiar with how the deck works. You get one set up, you boost shake it into the VMAX, and then you just sit there, and you heal, and you reduce damage, and you discard energy, and you just sit there and just be annoying, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And this man annoyed his way all the way to 46. All the way to 46th place with just Quad Stone Journer. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Good on Zachary Cooper. He definitely deserved it. Like, yeah, I, I might have to build this. It's, it's literally an $18 deck. Dude, I'm telling you, dude. You slap a deck with like a sub-$50 price tag on it, and it's just it gets people salivating at the mouth. True. I mean, it's literally happening to me right now. I know. 
Let's backtrack a little bit though and talk about this Flaffy box. This yeah. was uh, this was actually probably talk of the town. A lot of people were very impressed by this list, uh, and I mean it did place very well. The idea is to basically run as many lightning type one prize Pokemon as possible alongside the Raichu V for a little extra, little extra damage there. Uh, but you know this all works out really well because lightning type has a lot of really good one prize attackers currently. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know the the Flaffy with the Dynamotor ability to power them up out of nowhere. Um, I do really like the Zekrom, two Lightning and a Colorless Wild Shock, 130 damage. Uh, this Pokemon also does 60 damage to itself, and your opponent's active Pokemon is now paralyzed. So you can loot paralysis, which is something you cannot sleep on. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty scary. And this Zekrom is also the trainer gallery. I mean, it doesn't show up in the image, but uh, this this Zekrom is also the trainer gallery from Brilliant Stars. So, you know, you get you just get the 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 bonus points just for playing a card with N on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, this deck's pretty cool. I love the one Piyuku Muku. <laughs> I love this card. Oh yeah, like pitch a puke. <laughs> yep, I love it. Yeah, you just send it to the bottom of your deck, draw a card. Such a fun card. Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, definitely, obviously, very solid list. Like, got to forty three. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, in a format where like Palkia is just kind of running the show, like a deck like that is a no brainer. So, you know, it it took Dynamoter a little while, but it finally found its place in the meta. So. You know, shout-outs to Ming for uh, for a good performance with that list. Yeah. I got one more I want to shout-out here. I got to find it again. Where'd it go? Josh, did you see the deck that made 24th? The Elder Gloss Control deck? Yes. I, I, I got to be 100% honest with you. I opened this up maybe five minutes ago. I did not know that this was a thing. I knew that, <laughs> I knew that somebody... Either here or at NAIC was playing like the Eldegoss Umbreon loop that Sander played yeah. at EUIC. I know somebody was playing that. So when I opened, you know, I opened this up thinking that that's what this was, and I was shocked to see that that was not the case. No, I saw people talking about this on twi- this list on Twitter, so I've already looked at it a decent bit, and it's uh, it's pretty disgusting. I'm gonna be honest with you, like. It, I mean, it, it's control. <laughs> it's it's control. It do be controlling, and this this list is very good at it. Like, yeah, you I would gotta, have a, you'll have a headache if you have to play against this list. It'll yeah. just oh yeah, it dude, it's got a ton of options, right? Like you've got the yeah. mill tank, so if you're not respecting the cow, you already lose. You got Eveltal discarding special energy. I love how they have the Gorbis in here to stop rapid strike abilities. Yeah, I think that I think that's really good actually, um, because Rapid Strike Search is just such an absurdly good ability that like it's worth turning it off in a control list. Got the Dunsparce so that the Blissey V in here can't get knocked out in one shot. Um, of course, the Eldegoss V to do the loop over and over again. Cards to discard uh, special energies like Flannery, Galar Mind to keep things locked in the active, all that kind of good stuff. Um. Yeah, that's a pretty. It's a pretty interesting control list. Honestly, I gotta be honest. It's pretty cool. 
a little like different direction than the last couple control decks we've seen. But, yeah, uh, very different. Definitely, I mean, definitely really good. Obviously, they got the twenty fourth. For sure, for sure. Uh, that's all I've got uh, rolling up in here. Are you ready to talk about the top eight? Yeah, and I'm gonna say flat out, if I had to guess a top eight right now, besides the two Duraludon, this this is top eight to me. Like. This is about where the format's at in my mind right now. Yeah, I think this is what most people expected, again, outside of the Arc Duraludon. Um, in fact, actually, I was talking with one of my coaches, uh, and after a session, we were talking about it, and she made a prediction on top eight. She got pretty close. Uh, there, you know, there's there's a few misses, but she got pretty close. I think she got like five out of eight, I think. Yeah. Maybe six. I don't know. But either way, uh, lining up this top eight... We have Riley Holbert in 8th place, one of the hosts of the Tag Team Podcast, playing Palkia Inteleon. Frank Mintmeyer playing Arceus Duraludon, taking 7th place. You got Tord the Lord Reklev uh, rolling up in 6th place with Palkia Inteleon. Justin Kulos in 5th place playing Arceus Inteleon. Uh, Franco Takahashi playing Palkia Inteleon in 4th. Chris Nudzvig. Uh, in third with Mugenesect, Connor Lavelle in second with Blissey, and then Braden Elfert taking it all home with Arceus Duraludon. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, Alright, I promise not to be too melancholy, but either way. That's a lot of Palkia, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah. A lot of Palkia, a lot of Arc Intel. Uh, I mean... <laughs> It's just, I don't know, this is where we're at right now, like, I still think even with Palkia coming in, I think the format's decently settled right now, like, we know what all the top decks are, there's not a whole lot of surprises coming through, like, even Duraludon topping this doesn't surprise me that this happened, like, it's surprising in that no one's really been playing it or talking about it and it came in. But the fact that it won still isn't surprising to me, because Duraludon's still really good. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're still very new to the Astral Radiance uh, metagame. We're still trying to figure things out. I mean, obviously Palkia was like the big card from the set. But, you know, a lot of the stuff from the Brilliant Stars era is still relatively the same, and it's still relatively good. Um, so nothing new there. You know, it's just we took the Brilliant Stars metagame and we just added more decks to it. Nothing's like really extremely polarizing. Nothing yeah. had, nothing in the Brilliant Stars meta suddenly became terrible. Like everything that was good in that meta is still good. And now we just have more good decks, which it's, is a fantastic thing. Oh, yeah. it's I see like Astral Radiance really more of just enhanced our already existing decks. I mean, we got two or three new decks, but... I mean, the support in this set was just great with, like, Asui and Heavy Ball and stuff like that. It's just all the good decks got better, and we got a few new decks. So it's pretty cool, like you said. It's great to see. I think that's a good sign of a healthy format for the most part. I absolutely agree. Uh, but let's go ahead and start breaking down some of these. Um, now, I have not looked too extensively at some of these deck lists, and I will say uh, I have looked at some of the Palkia lists. And uh, to nobody's surprise, Tord's list is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a lot of people, especially like the American players, have really been sleeping on Irida as a card for some reason. Like some people, like nah, uh, you run one, you run two. Some people even opt to just not run the card at all, which I just I personally don't get. No. Irida, Irida, I always say her name wrong. Yeah, Irida. Irida. Yeah, she's great. Like, I was when I was looking through my deck, I was like, no way am I cutting Irida. Like, this card's way too good in Palkia to cut. Yeah, fantastic card. And I mean, it's not to say that like you're wrong if you like you run a lower count or if you run like none. Because I mean, I mean, take a look. Like Riley Holbert doesn't play any in his list, and he got top eight. So like, you can build it without it. But like, especially if you're running the Intellion engine, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't run a playset of this card, honestly. Because, let's say for example, you don't really need to play any other supporter that turn. Irida basically gets you two trainer cards because you can get a trainer card or right. It's a, sorry, you get an item card and then you get a water Pokemon and that water Pokemon is going to be Drizzile for shady dealings. So you get a trainer card and an item card off of this one supporter. Well, that, and uh, this is already a Irida can be a game winning scenario. I've took games where, uh, like I have a set up Palkia V and I need a Palkia V-Sark. Literally, I need a Palkia V-Store and Choice Belt to get game. Guess what? Irida. <laughs> yeah, boom, there Palkia it is. Palkia V-Star in my hand, Choice Belt in my hand. Game. And, and it makes for a great card going uh, second as well, because you can just go turn yeah. one Irida Battle VIP Pass. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. so. I've, I mean, I've taken games with the Palkia doing that. I've even taken games against Mew players online, getting a uh, Ice Rider one shot set up. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's a powerful card. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely worth running. Yeah, don't don't sleep on that for sure. Also, really enjoy the inclusion of Cheryl. I mean, it's just really cool. If like if your Palkia tanks a hit, you can just Cheryl away all the damage and then activate the Star Portal V Star Power and just attach all the energy back. Which is yeah. a little cheeky, but I I like it all the same. This is yeah, I saw this and this is one of the texts that I'm probably gonna make for my deck because I really like this. It's it's super cheeky, like you said. Yeah, it, I like it a lot. Um, but uh, you know, everything else is just pretty standard Palkia stuff. Nothing too crazy to get into there. Yeah, yeah, no, this is pretty standard Palkia, and like as far as like Riley's list goes, his is like. I'd say about as standard as Palkia can get right now, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's it's basically what a lot of people have been running. Like, you get the Leon, you got the Intellion engine with a Grand Engine and stuff like that. I will say I do like the inclusion of the Crobat in the list, just for a little extra consistency. Yeah, I made that choice too, and it's definitely worth the spot. Like, you can you can never go wrong with putting a Crobat in your deck. You just can't. It's quite yeah. draw power. Yeah, a little extra draw, a little extra consistency. Never hurt anybody. For sure. Now, yeah. fourth place lists. I'm really the thing that like stuck out to me the most about this list was the four cross switchers. Yeah, actually, um, and it's interesting because I believe Franco is the only Palkia player in the top cut that actually opted to go for cross switchers. Yeah. He um, is. I do actually really appreciate that. Um, honestly, I think water decks in general like benefit more off a cross switcher than like any other deck in format. 
just because it allows you to Gust and Melanie in the same turn. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really important for Palkia. But fitting it in with the Inteleon engine is, like, surprisingly difficult. Like, I know. That's, that's why some people have, like, adopted that turbo engine is because it takes up a little less space. It's geared primarily for finding item cards. Like, you can find them a little easier in that engine. But yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. And uh, if I ever get to building Palkia, I'm not sure if I will or not, but if I ever get to building Palkia, I would uh, definitely like to experiment with a with a quad cross-switcher type approach. I, I do think that is uh, definitely the way to go, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I thought about it before Card Trooper, <clears throat> but I just couldn't figure out how to make space for it. And I didn't have enough time, I felt like, to even bother trying to mess with, like, four cards. Trying to, like, switch out four cards for cross-switcher. Right, right. So, I just decided to forego it. But I'm glad to see that, like, I had the right idea in mind, at least, at least with some other people, that it could be really good in this deck. And to see that it obviously worked very well for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, before we move on up here just a little bit, I want to talk about Arceus Inteleon. Now, Justin Kulas' list is nothing crazy. It's about as as standard Arc Intel as it gets. Yeah. The reason I wanted to stop and talk about this for a second is that leading up to Milwaukee, there was a lot of talk. A lot of people saying, nope, Arceus has already been power crept out of the format. It's not good. You'll lose to Palkia. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know who was saying that on Twitter, but you're wrong. (laughs) Arceus is still a good deck, and it can beat Palkia, okay? You just have to play it differently. It's weird, and it's strange, but you just play it differently. You know, this deck is still good. Do not stop teching for this. (laughs) Still a good deck. Obviously. That's that's it. That's all I wanted to say on that. (laughs) Just like... I was like, what do you mean people are already trying to discount Arceus in this metagame? Get out of here, bro. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, most definitely. And, I mean, going through here, number three. Uh, <clears throat> yep, that's me. Moving on. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's... It's pretty, yeah, it's standard Astral Radiance view. Yeah, think. actually, yeah, I will say. Yeah, he's got, you, you got the trekking shoes in here. You got a got an extra stadium, but besides that, this is basically just the uh, the Natalie Miller approach. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. So, I mean, second place here we got the Miltank Blissey deck. Yeah, you know what I, I I was on the fence about how good this deck actually was. I was like, I mean, obviously, like Miltank is really good, and Blissey yeah. can be scary, but you know, I was still a little on the fence. Uh, Connor's out here being like, nah, this, this deck is broken, bro. Yeah, obviously. Really good. Took second at a regional. Don't sleep on Blissey or Miltank. You will die. Yeah, Blissey with that Blissful Blast attack for one colorless energy. 10 damage, and it does an additional 30 damage for each energy attached to that Pokemon. Or to, yep, to blink, Blissey. Blink, and you'll be sitting there trying to do the math of, like, four uh, double turbos <laughs> and seven oh my God, that was, That's the funniest part, because the other effect of the attack is if you deal any damage with the with the attack, you attach three energies from your discard to Blissey. So you just have this trail of energy, and then you've got, yeah. like, double turbos, you've got powerful colorless, and you're just sitting there yeah. trying to do the math. And then Yeah, when you're sitting over there counting your opponent's 15 energies, you'll realize you should have slept on this deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, you attach a, a Cape of Toughness to this thing, and it becomes a 300 HP 2-prizer. 
Woo. And it's got a lot of healing options. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, if you didn't catch the finals for Milwaukee, if like, you didn't watch like the, the final series played, uh, definitely go check it out because that was a crazy game to watch. I think, I'm pretty sure it went to game three and Connor was just playing out of his mind, like making all the right play. Cause like Arceus to is a very awkward matchup for Blissey because it runs nothing but special energy, which means path has to be in play. Otherwise you can't deal any damage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Duraludon doesn't care about Miltank. So it was a very awkward matchup, but Connor played out of his freaking mind and just just hats off to him. But, Josh, we got Arceus Duraludon. Yeah. Yeah. Arceus Duraludon. <laughs> okay, oh. like, like I said, we won't be too melancholy about this, but... No, um, I will say, uh, from the variants of Arceus Duraludon that popped up when RC is... Arceus first came out, you know, and you were seeing this some. This still looks pretty standard to how they were playing back then. Yeah, it's it's still very much the same. Uh, the only two cards that stand out to me are the Eldegoss V and the Bird Keeper. Yeah. Uh, typically, you don't want to run any other Pokemon in the deck that isn't Arceus and Duraludon, just because you potentially leave yourself in a position where your opponent can prize map much easier. By going KO Arceus, KO Duraludon before it evolves, and then KO Eldegoss for, like, 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Whereas, like, without the Eldegoss, you can go, okay, you KO the Arceus. Well, now you have to, even if you KO a Duraludon, that'll still leave you with a 3 prizer that you're going to have a very hard time to knock out, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, so. I mean... I don't think it's that bad, though, because, I mean, you have, like, complete control over the Elder Gloss on when you need to drop it, and unless you just end up really unlucky and it's the only single prizer in your starting hand, I don't think it's that big of a deal to work around. Because, yeah, it makes it easier to prize map, but you're not dropping this unless you need that supporter from your discard, so I think it's worth having. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that, Um, and if you go back and watch the finals, Elder Gloss won him... Both of the games that he ended up winning, uh, I think it was games one and three or something. I don't know. But uh, Eldegoss ended up playing a part in, in the win uh, for the series. So, uh, I mean, it you know, it worked out. Uh, there were a lot of people questioning it. Again, I, I, I do agree with you. I think, it's, I think it's fine. I think it's solid. Do you need it? No, probably not. But if you have it, sure, why not? Um, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, it's pretty... Pretty standard stuff as far as Arc Dura goes. Um, you know, max consistency with your supporters to try to find the things you need. The single strike mustard so you can just pop a VMAX into play out of nowhere. Uh, hyper potions, crystal cave, big charms. Just try to make the Duraludon as big and as tanky as possible. And uh, Definitely. yeah, you just wall people out. And honestly, pretty good call for the event, right? Because... I mean, it's a it's a big, beefy Pokemon. Uh, any deck that isn't Palkia is playing Special Energy, so it's kind of difficult to deal with. And if you run into Palkia, does it really matter? Because they're not going to deal a ton of damage to you anyway. Because you don't fill up your bench. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a uh, it's pretty scary. Like if I saw this, I wouldn't be too too worried. Depending on what version of like Palkia you're playing, like if you're running Ice Rider like me, it's like okay, I guess I just try to lead in on the Ice Rider, <laughs> and that's like my only option. Yeah. But I mean, Drowdon's always scary. Three thirty HP. They're always gonna have big charms because I mean they're there to stay. And you know there's gonna be healing, so it's it's a pretty monumental task to overcome one of these decks. Yeah, it it is very difficult to deal with, and uh, not really any surprise to see how it how it won the event here. Oh yeah, definitely a deck I can see that if people weren't paying attention to it, it comes in on sweeper regionals like it did. Yeah, and that's basically what uh, that's basically what he said on the on the winners interview. He's like, yeah. Not a lot of people were talking about it, and uh, just felt like the right time. And I mean, sure enough, yeah. <laughs> and I think we talked about this on another podcast that we said, if not Duraludon, we talked about some other decks that are exactly like Duraludon. It might have been Rapid Strike we were talking about. This is just the kind of deck that you, it, it's going to exist until it rotates out, and it's never going to be bad. It's just how many eyes are on it. Are you yeah. teching against this? If you tech against this deck, it's going to go away. But as soon as you take your eye off of it and start teching for something else, it's coming back. Someone's going to bring it back every time, because it's still good. It's just, if it's being teched against, that's when it struggles. But if you take your eye off of it, it's got free reign. Yeah, that that's exactly it. Uh, especially especially because, like, back in Brilliant Stars, like it was a lot harder of a sell, because Arceus, Inteleon, and Mew VMAX were much more popular. Like, now we have Palkia taking the spotlight off of those two decks, um, which are two matchups that Duraludon struggles with quite a bit. So, by taking, or rather, by lessening Mew and Arceus in the format, as Astral Radiance has done, like, it's just kind of given Duraludon more space to operate effectively uh, in, in this format. But with that being said, we've got one last tournament. The last one before Worlds. North America International Championships. I was there. It was a fun event. It was a great time. Josh, uh, we have I, a lot of crazy looking stuff here, man. Well, first of all, I'll say, hope you brought your floaties <laughs> between the Palkias and Inteleons when you scroll through this list. Yeah, there's so it's so <laughs> funny to see like all the Inteleon icons take up like the second <laughs> slot here. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh. <laughs> Alright, so, I mean, like Phelan said, last tournament before Worlds. Uh, huge tournament, almost 1,200 participants. 11.55. That's crazy. Well, I see, okay, I'm not 100% sure if that's right, because RK9 said that there was, like, 1,300 players. And RK9 is where they do all the pairings and stuff, so... Okay, well, that's even crazier. Yeah, I mean, still, but... still huge either way. Yeah, well, that's even bigger, no matter what. Yeah. So, insane amount of people at this event. Yeah, it was absolutely huge, absolutely stacked. And like I said, we've got some interesting deck lists in here. I love the beginning of these formats. You see people start experimenting with a bunch of stuff. So I'll ask you, like we always do, what do you see outside of the top eight that uh, that, that strikes your fancy, if anything at all? Really wish we had the deck list for this Vic of Volt Moltres list. 
I've been interested in that ever since I saw this tournament like list. Ah, lucky for I, you, there's actually another player that played it and got 32nd. Yeah. We do have that deck list. I know. I know we have number 32s, but I'd really like would like to see both of these players. Oh, sure, sure. Just because it's like, I mean, I've heard talks even from Phelan about the Vicavolt. He's like, I'm bringing the Vicavolt out. <laughs> I, I almost put it in Sylveon, and I maybe should have, but I... Ooh. Yeah. This card is really good in this format, and people are sleeping on it. Most definitely. Yeah, for those but, not in the know, Vicavolt V came out in Darkness Ablaze. Basic Pokemon V, 210 HP, lightning-type Pokemon. Has the attack Paralyzing Bolt for a lightning in a colorless. You deal 50 damage. And during your opponent's next turn, they cannot play any item cards from their hand. Uh, you also have Super Zap Cannon, 2 Lightning Energy, Colorless, 190, discard 2 Energy from this Pokemon. It's good in a pinch. It's not why you run it. You try to item lock your opponents. Whoo, man, Palkias really don't like that. <laughs> no. But, I mean, that's definitely a cool list to see roaming around. Uh... And it's got the, you know, it's got the dark package. To, you know, we're still respecting Mew out here. Yeah. So it's got the dark package. It's it's it's, it's an interesting list. I'd, I'd like to try this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Besides that, not too much else. Maybe this Mewtwo Bill Tank. Because, I don't know, what Mewtwo are they using? Uh, it is Mewtwo V Union. Oh, so, lucky for you, one of our top eight players did play this list, and his deck list is available. Once you see his name, you're gonna it's gonna all make sense. <laughs> uh -huh. Good old Sander, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. That's yeah. That deck is insane, by the way. I watched it live on multiple occasions. Um, now, before we break down the top eight, I actually do kind of want to stop for a second and take a look at Aiden Kusa's list at thirteenth place. Uh, Arceus Flying Pikachu, you know, it's a deck we've seen. It's a known quantity. It's got a lot of good placements in online tournaments. And of course, uh, Azul, uh, Azul GG got 10th with it at Milwaukee. I mean, this is a deck that, that is, is a known quantity in this format at the moment. But um, you don't see it played with the Inteleon engine ever. And I just thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, most definitely. So essentially, uh, what Aiden's done here is that he's kind of taken inspiration from the Japanese lists before we got Astral Radiance. Uh, essentially, what they did in Japan is that they played Arceus and Teleon and then just slapped in a 1-1 Surfing Pikachu or a 1-1 Flying Pikachu, depending on whichever one they felt was more necessary. I think in Japan they go with Surfing Pikachu because nobody plays Urshifu over there, so Manaphy is not as common. Uh, that's not the case everywhere else in the world. So Flying Pikachu is the better pick for us. But yeah, essentially just taking that approach, Arceus and Teleon with a Flying Pikachu package. I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, Arceus and Teleon is still a very good deck. You know, you throw in a very, very solid lightning type attacker to deal with uh, Palkia, as well as give you a little bit of extra coverage against Blissey and Reggie's. Pretty solid. I'm about it. Yeah, for sure. But with that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about this top eight. We got some interesting stuff here. So in the top eight, we've got Steven Varesco at eighth, playing Arceus and Celion. Yurko Valencia playing Arceus and Celion in seventh. 
Noah Yoshida and Gustavo Wada in 6th and 5th respectively playing Palkia and Teleon. Brian Kim in 4th with Arceus and Teleon. Sander Wojcik playing Mewtwo Miltank in 3rd place. <laughs> Not a single person saw that coming. Isaiah Bradner locking it down in 2nd place. And Azul Garcia Griego taking it all home. His first IC victory with Arceus Flying Pikachu. Yeah. Now, first, well, before we break down some of the decks, I will say huge shout outs to Azul. Just, I, you know, being there, I was kind of like watching his run throughout the entire event. He went 9 0 on day one. Jesus. He was on an absolute tear. And, dude, I'm telling you, before lunch break, like, he was 3-0. We went to lunch break, and I was sitting here thinking, I was like, dude, I, I don't know what it is. And I felt it. I was like, I think this is Azul's tournament. I think this is it. And, hey, sure enough, here he is, first place. Again, this is his first IC victory. Uh, closest he got, I think, since here was second place at LAIC 2018, I want to say. Uh, so he's been close, but he's finally, you know, he's finally got the top spot here. So huge shout outs to him. Yeah. Since and, we're uh, <clears throat> talking about him, why don't we, I know we usually do first place last, but how about we just go or have it cover this deck? Yeah, 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 let's go ahead and do that. And while I'm pulling it up here, just a fun little fact for you. I think this is the third or no, this is the fourth NAIC event since they started hosting this event. And the first American to win NAIC. That's crazy. Every other <laughs> every other NAIC has been won by Europeans. <laughs> That's a little funny. Which is really funny to me. So shout outs to Azul for breaking that streak and uh, giving us an NA victory. Bring it at home. Bring it at all home. So let's check out this list. Azul playing Arceus, flying Pikachu. And honestly, I, I, I gotta say this... Like I said, I've said this on a couple episodes. I very rarely net deck things. If I was going to net deck a fly, uh, Arceus Flying Pikachu list, you know, I'd probably find the list, make some changes. If I came across this list, I'd copy it 100%. I think yeah, this, this is a I think this is a perfect list. This is this list is great. <laughs> like it's just amazing. It it's got all the right tools, it hits all the right beats, the counts are right. Like everything just feels right about this list. Yeah, I mean, just in Pokemon, you know, you have your Arceus for, like, your main, for your Star Portal, and your Star Births. I said Star Portal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Star Birth and the Trinity Novas, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you got the Bibarel engine, this backup, really solid, consistent engine, we all know. Flying Pikachu, hitting Lightning, really good for Palkia, great to have. Crobat VMAX to hit for Dark. That goes against, like, Mew, your other big contender. So you're just covered on pretty much all your big bases. Yeah, this Cheeky deck... little punkaboo. Like. <laughs> yeah, this deck has a lot of really good attacking Pokemon. I mean, Arceus is insanely broken. Flying Pikachu respects Palkia. It respects Regis. It respects Miltank. Crobat to respect Mew. I mean, all of the matchups that you might be worried about coming into this event are completely covered just by, just by those two Pokemon. Yeah. Which is really good. Uh, of course, the Pumpkaboo, as you said, you can just slap that down, get a path out of play so that you can Starbirth real quick and then go back to leaning on path because this deck does play four. Uh, really good for shutting off 
uh, abilities for rule box Pokemon, primarily for Mew, of course, but also works really well against Arceus decks, works well against Palkia decks for the most part. All that kind of good stuff, so good call there. Um, I do really like the four of Marnie, like prioritizing the Marnie over the research. Yeah. Because a lot of these Inteleon engines, man, you know, you hit them with the Marnie, they might brick. And if they don't brick off the Marnie, they'll probably brick off of the second one. So, like, you can straight up just keep throwing Marnies at them until they brick, and then you run away with the game from there. Yeah. I really like the one of Phoebe. Yeah, yeah. Phoebe is huge in this list. Uh, And a card we've not really seen a whole lot of, so I'll go ahead and read that out for anybody that's not in the know what, what Phoebe does. It's a supporter card. It says, during this turn, damage from your Pokemon's VMAX attacks is not affected by any effects on your opponent's active Pokemon. So essentially, you can play the Phoebe, and then if you're attacking with Flying Pikachu VMAX or Crobat VMAX, the damage of those Pokemon is completely unaffected by things like Skyscraper on Duraludon. It's completely unaffected by Miraculous Body on Miltank, which this ended up being a huge card for Azul because he ended up going up against Sander in top four. And, yeah, this card was there to save him so many yeah. situations. And, of course, you have the pal pad, so you can recycle it whenever you need it. I mean, like I said, it's just everything about this list is just spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely good stuff there. Shoutouts, major, major shoutouts to Azul. Absolutely love this list. We've got some other ones to talk about, so let's go ahead and take a look here. Putting in a small break here for me to look. Okay, yeah, I do want to talk about Isaiah's for a second here. So we'll just kind of go in reverse order how we usually do it. Isaiah Bradner, runner-up, playing Palkia and Teleon. Kind of coming up in a bad matchup on the finals, you know. It it happens, but, you know, he was absolutely killing it regardless. Kind of taking the toward approach. He's got four Irida in the list. And, we, you know, we talked about how that's pretty, pretty good. But a couple differences. He's got the four cross switcher and the four battle VIP pass. Yeah. <laughs> this man's going all in. Yeah, all in, max consistency with that kind of stuff there. It's it's pretty interesting to see, actually, because like his supporter count is very like as a result is very low, very small. Like yeah. okay, I got cross switchers. I don't need to play a ton of boss. I got Star Portal. I don't need to play a ton of Melanie. Like, let me just save the supporters for the disruptive stuff. And of course, you know, the one of Melanie, just in case you need it. And then the rest of this is Irida and Shady Dealings finding me more cards. Like, it's it's pretty... This is a pretty sick list, honestly. It really is. Very versatile. Yeah, it's essentially like, because when you really think about it, like, okay, you've got a low supporter count, so Irida is just essentially a third, like, a second slash third card being added to your Shady Dealings, essentially, which is absurd to think about, because Shady Dealings is already, like, a ridiculous ability in and of itself. 
So now you just throw in Irida, which is essentially getting you an extra card off of each Shady Dealings. Yeah. Whoo, that is ridiculous. Like, you could easily Shady Dealings, grab Irida, use Irida to grab whatever Pokemon you need, and then, like, grab a grab your second Cross Switcher, or grab, you know, Echoing Horn to set up something. Like, Shady Dealings into Irida is actually so cool. Just the deck thinning you get to do for free. Or Irida into Shady Dealings. Oh, true. It goes both ways. That's the best part about this. Yeah. Oh my god, this list is so sick. I like this a lot. <laughs> Don't even lie. <laughs> now, like, you know, and, and I did watch um, uh, Raul. He made, a, he made a tournament report of NAIC. He, uh, Isaiah, and I think Justin McCarr, they all played like the same 60. And they were like, yeah, the three sawball, it might look really weird, but like, you know, it helped us save some space and you have Irida to help you make up for the lack of the fourth sawball. And I was like, you know, all of this is just like super sick, super smart. So I am, uh, I am 110% here for this. Definitely. Now in third place, we have <laughs> Sander Wojak, guy we've been referencing. Yeah, we are uh, we are big fans of Sander here on the podcast. Every deck yeah. he makes is just brilliant. With the Mewtwo V Union Milting. Oh, this deck is so sick. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I don't know if you caught any of the games, Josh. Uh, are you are you familiar with how this how this works? I know how V unions unions work, but no, I didn't get to watch how the stack functions. So this deck does not attack with the V. I mean, it can, and it has. Like That's kind of part of the game plan. But the, the true part of the game plan is to use Mewtwo V Union's Super Regeneration attack. Two Psychic, one Colorless. Heal 200 damage from this Pokemon. So essentially, if you cannot one-hit KO the Mewtwo V Union, you do not win the game. And if you can... You gotta get through the mill tank too. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh you know, there were a lot of decks that were not respecting mill tank at NAIC. Um uh, so that, that I mean that was a pretty big factor. And of course, uh essentially the loop here is that you're healing with Mewtwo, you're walling with you're walling with Miltank, and you're playing all these disruptive cards. You've got Flannery to discard special energy in stadiums. Crushing Hammer to discard energy. Sydney basically doing the same thing. You've got all these disruptive cards and uh, all these additional things to help keep Mewtwo V Union alive. And then you have Silene and Team Yell's Cheer as well as Palpad to recycle all of these disruptive cards and using them over and over and over again while denying your opponent any knockouts this entire time. <laughs> This deck is so wild. <laughs> it's just a stall deck. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. It's it's just yeah. it's just the modern equivalent of wall stall, a deck that we've seen a couple times throughout the years. Uh, you know, black and white, X and Y. I mean, we've seen a lot of variations of wall stall. This is just the sword and shield version of it, basically. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is that, like, even like. Just the amount of things that he was able to tech for with this list, because 
I was talking about it with friend of the show, Richard. He was at NAIC with me. We were talking about it. And I was like, yeah, dude, you just heal constantly. And there's like, what, what are you going to do about it? And so Richard looks at me, he goes, oh, so it loses to dark. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, what does it do against dark type attackers? It just one shots the V Union. Well, I found out when I'm watching top four, Miltank is the answer. <laughs> you just sit there with the cow. <laughs> and it, you, I mean, that is what it is. It's just, it just, you just sit there with the cow. And if they do manage to knock it out, Sander was even prepared for that. Because you can just Silene the mill tank back on top of your deck and give them a third one to worry about. Because most decks that respect the cow can get through like one or two of them. Very rarely are they going to get through a third one. <laughs> Very rarely are they going to get through a third one. Which is hilarious to me. So, uh, yeah. This deck is, uh, this deck's kind of wild. Definitely. And does uh, is giving me something to do with my Mewtwo V Union now. <laughs> I mean, I have the expanded deck, but this 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 looks like more fun. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. So uh, if you got a Mewtwo V Union laying around, if you bought them from back when they came out, uh, maybe check this out. Especially if you like Control, because uh, that that but this is the list for you. All right. So that's the top three. Now, as we go down. The rest of the top eight, from fourth to eighth, is literally like all Arceus and Teleon. It's all Palkia and Teleon. And I will give shout-outs to Gustavo Wada and Noah Yoshida. Uh, they do actually play a rare a copy of Rare Candy in their list, which is good for just like going straight from Sobble to Shady Dealings and Teleon, which is pretty sick. Um, so, you know, interesting little bit of technology there. Um, but aside from that, Josh, I don't really have much to say about these lists. I mean, they're fairly, fairly standard from what we've seen from Arceus and Teleon as well as Palkia and Teleon. Was there anything that stood out to you? No, no, this is all pretty standard. It's pretty normal. Uh, I mean, if you want to look at the rest of these deck lists here, we'll have the link posted as always. And definitely like check these guys lists out because obviously they're very good players, but it's, pretty standard lists yeah fantastic players fantastic lists you know this is a new meta game people are still trying to figure this stuff out so if you're looking for a little bit of direction and playing arceus and teleon or palkia and teleon these are great lists to follow uh, so definitely check it out like josh said links to all of these placings will be in the episode description check it out as well as a link to all of our socials you can check us out at damage counter on twitter.com Check us out, damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. We've got a pretty beefy news segment this time around. It's been a while since we've had a news segment go for this long. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's been it was... a while. Of course, it's the first one in a while we went through all the card translations on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, those are some big ones. We definitely had yeah. to. <laughs> Listen, with how crazy that is, we could not cover it. Yeah, there was no way, but... Uh... Definitely a lot of cool stuff coming from this news roundup, so definitely hit us up, let us know what you think, and while you're doing that, I see a new 60-card showcase on the horizon. What is that out there? Yep, we have our 60-card showcase coming up, featuring the robot boys themselves, the king of Nintendo's uh, inspiration <laughs> Pokemon, the Reggies. Yeah, Pokemon needed more Reggie, and I'm glad they uh, <laughs> I'm glad they delivered on that. Yes, 
the Reggie Box, Reginald Gigas, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, this oh. has been one of the most popular, one of the most talked about decks coming out of Astral Radiance. One that caught a lot of people by surprise, uh, including including us, which is why it's the first Astral Radiance deck we're talking about. So let's let, you know, let's cool it with the intro. Let's go ahead and talk about this. All right, 60 card showcase. We've got the boys, Josh. We've got the boys. Reggie's in the building. <laughs> the, the Reggie's. Uh, the... I love this deck so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, start like I'm going to start this off before we even get into talking about the deck. Look, so I don't know if we've ever actually said it. I'm sure we have. Whenever we cover a deck, at least one of us, we've been like doing more where both of us do it. Build the deck and play it so we have some on-hand experience to talk about. And when I put this deck together, I'm going to say I played it for about 45 minutes. And I bought the whole deck, like I said earlier in the podcast. So that should tell you right now, this deck is a lot of fun, if nothing else. Oh yeah, it's it's an insane amount of fun. And on that note, actually... If you want to check out the episode description, you'll see a link to a Google Drive in there. Go ahead, click on that link, and you'll see uh, all the deck lists we've covered here on the show, including this one. So if you uh, want to follow along and uh, take a look at the build we're referencing, that's where you can do it. Um, I know last week we said we were going to start doing two deck lists, one that Josh uh, played and one that I played. Um we're only coming at you with one this week because with all the excitement from NAIC, I did not have time to uh, really test a list uh, very thoroughly. I tried. Um, I just just couldn't find anything that I was comfortable with putting out there uh, before the episode came around. So uh, the, li- the list we have uh, comes to us from Nicholas Moffitt. Going back. Yes, Nicholas Moffitt. He placed 11th with the list at Milwaukee, and it's the list that Josh has been playing. Uh, so he's been doing a lot of the, the playtesting for this episode. But uh sounds like it went well if you went and immediately bought the deck. So. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie, the first two games were total washes, and where I was like, I kind of knew, you know, obviously I kind of knew what to do. I've watched Reggie before, I've seen it be played, but... Played it myself. The first game or two were kind of washes, figuring it out. Then by game three, once I kind of got it down, dude, I just started having fun. <laughs> like, you just you just go in there, you get Reggie Gigas out on a VMAX, you hit for insane damage. You're just swapping around with your Reggies, filling your bench or stalling. Yeah, you're just it's absolutely like, dumpstering people. You, you, yeah, you just, uh, you really don't, it's one of those decks where you really don't care what your opponent's doing. Like, it, like you're like, alright, that's cool. I'm over here playing Reggie's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm be doing me. You do you, that's cool. I'll be over here doing me. Yeah, no, it is It is definitely one of those decks. But let's go ahead and, like, l- l- let's break down, like, the general game plan here. So, uh, if, if you've been living under a Reggie Rock for the past couple months, um, you know... The, the, the whole the whole concept behind the deck is that Regigigas has the ability Ancient Wisdom. Uh, once during your turn, if you have Regigigas, Regilecki, Registeel, Regidrago, Regirock, and Regice all in play at the same time, 
You can use the ability Ancient Wisdom, which allows you to attach three energy from your discard pile to one of your Pokemon. Uh, and so that's that's the whole onus of the deck. You want to fill up your board, get all six Regis into play, essentially form Exodia, and then uh, you know put the energy wherever is, is to your best attacker. All of these uh, Pokemon have pretty good attacks, actually, uh, depending on the matchup. And then you just hit face for an absurd amount of damage, usually. <laughs> And there's a lot of yeah. good uh, coverage across the board. Like, you know, Regilecki will hit Palkia for weakness. Regirock will hit Arceus for weakness. Regice can stop Pokemon Vs from attacking, which is really useful against Flying Pikachu. Uh, Regidrago's got a solid 160. Registeel really punishes, like, Mew, for example. Uh, or any Pokemon with free retreat, for example. And then, of course, you have the main man himself, Reginald Gigas. <laughs> Gigaton break, 150 damage if your opponent's active Pokemon is a VMAX, you do an additional 150 damage. Slap a choice belt on there, that's 330 damage. In case you weren't counting, that's five energy, so you gotta commit a lot to it, but it's it's totally worth it. It's, a, it's really not that hard to do with this deck. Like, you'll you'll be able to get the timing down pretty well. By the time you get, like, Regigigas on the bench and get them live, I usually very consistently had at least, like, two or three of some kind of energy in my discard to, like, yank out immediately. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing, right? Is like, the hardest part about the deck is the setup. Once you get set up, it's just, okay, you know, how do I route to my next best attack from there? Because, you know, you'll get set up, you get the board, you maybe throw out an attack, your opponent knocks that out. All you have to do is replace that one Pokemon, and then you're back in the races. So yeah. it's just about, like, chaining these attackers together once you get the setup. Definitely. And, like, that's the biggest weakness of the deck is getting set up. Because, obviously, you gotta get six Regis on your bench. You gotta have energy to be able to do the attaching. It's, uh, that's, like, your biggest weakness is getting yourself set up. But once you get going, you're almost unstoppable. Yeah, another thing you have to uh, stop and consider when playing this deck is that... Basically, every Pokemon in the deck has, like, a retreat cost of three. Uh, you know, a few exceptions being, like, the Gigas at four, and then the Evolving Skies Regilecki, uh, which has a retreat cost of two. So, sometimes pivoting in and out of a Pokemon can be really difficult. Yeah. Um, but, you know, more often than not, that's not a huge issue. And even if it is, you play you play a playset of scoop-up nets for that very reason anyway. So... That that you yeah. know that's another one of those things you got to look out for. Yeah, you play the four scoop up nets to grab Pokemon, and you also have four ordinary rod to get back any Regis that you might lose, whatever you need. So it's not too bad maintaining being able to get the Regis or keep them. You know, keep all six around. You can't get in those like if your opponent gets really up on you though, it's almost impossible because you'll spend every turn just trying to get Regis back on your bench. Yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, like, ideally, by, like, turn two, you'd like to be there, because, like, if you're not there at that point, then, like, the whole idea of being a one-pricer deck that trades really well with the meta is, like, kind of null and void, because it's like, okay, well, I lost three prize cards just trying to get set up. Like, it doesn't matter if you take out a two-prizer or a three-prizer at that point. Like, you're still even. So it's just, yeah. like, it's, it's a little gross, but... So, that you know, like I said, like, the setup's the hardest part, but, yeah, once you get there, it's just, 
all right, knockout, cool, promote this, ancient, or, you know, find the one you knocked out, bench, ancient wisdom, and, uh, yeah, here's this attack, go die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's a sick deck, though, like, how many other decks could you play with six different types and use every attack in the deck, <laughs> like, as, like, as you want? It's pretty cool. There's so much coverage with it. Oh, yeah, and that that's... That's, I think, part of where its popularity came from, right? Is that, like... Yeah. Like, leading up to it, like, a lot of people were just like, oh, this is, you know, this is this is going to take too much to set up. It's not that good. You can counter it too easily. And, you know, it started doing really good at tournaments. Uh, and then people were like, wait. Wait, no, this is crazy. Because, you know, this hits this. This draws cards. This stops this. You hit this for weakness. You really punish this. I mean, like... The, the deck's got a surprising amount of options. It really does. Now, one thing I want to want to cover here is uh, if you're referencing our deck list, we've got, uh, or rather, the the deck list that we are referencing. Um, we've got two of every Reggie except for Reggie Lecky. That one we're up at three. Um, you'll notice that we've got two of the Evolving Skies and one of the ones from Astral Radiance. Um, in my personal opinion, you can go like, I mean, if you wanted to, you can go like two, two, two across the board and just make it even. You could go three on like Gigas. You could go three on Drago. Um, I don't think there's really a wrong answer there. Um, that being said, uh, Josh, I'm curious about this since, since you've, uh, you know, had a little bit more playtime than I have, especially with this list. Uh, ha you know, have you ever... Has the Astral Radiance Regilecki like worked out really well? Has that been a pretty pivotal mon to use, or has it just kind of been there? Um, it's had some niche uses. It's not like I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty niche. Like it's helpful. I had one game where it won me the game because obviously I used targeted bolt and yeah, just snipe something that tried yeah, to run away. Just snipe. Yeah. I sniped a VMAX that they were trying to hide from me that I had already hit with a, uh, I think it was like Reggie Steel. So it it had like 100 and, let me think, it had two retreat costs, sorry. I'm still trying to learn the math for like heavy slaves right, and stuff right, in my yeah. head. It should be like 120 damage before yeah, damage so, modifiers or something. Something like that. So maybe it was a V-Star. But anyway, it was enough to knock it out. Right, and, right. uh... I won the game that way, and it was pretty helpful there, but most of the time I was re leaning more into the other one for Terra Spark, just because uh, the 120 damage was more helpful, like the 120 to active was more helpful than trying to do 120 to a bench. Right, yeah, like it's, it's it, it works a lot better in this deck because you more often than not are want to be, you know, going to want to swing into active, and then of course like yeah. the, the 40 snipes on Terra Spark can really help set up math for future KOs and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I like I did use that to fix math to get uh KOs with Reggie Gigas with the forty damage applying on the bench. Helped to get past like a big charm. And uh I find I just find that more useful than doing one twenty to one bench mon, depending on the situation. Right, yeah. No, I, I, I could agree with that. Um in the list that I was trying to build for the episode I actually went like three Drago because I was like, well, I want to try to maximize consistency as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of my approach. Um, but, you know, 
that's one of those neither here nor there type things. It's just something I wanted to touch on. By the way, don't make this mistake if you plan on playing this deck. You can only Dragon's Horde once per turn. I, I did not know that when I was playing the deck, so I tried to yeah. do it twice in a turn, and I was just like, oh. Oh, this is not as good as I thought. <laughs> no, it's not that good. Still good. <laughs> still good, don't get me wrong, but... It's still very helpful. Right, right. But, like, the most unique thing about this list, I think, than, like, the thing Phelan said when he first saw it, is this list runs four Chromomatics. And now, I'm going to say that I'm sure a lot of people have played Mew themselves or played against it at this point, so they're very familiar with Chromomatic. It's... I feel like it's pretty give or take in this deck. It's definitely won me game so far. It's uh, definitely lost me game so far. So, you know, cram giveth, cram taketh. Yeah, the, the classic cramomatic experience. Um, no, I'm glad, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I was actually about to, to pivot us there. So normally, like, what you'll see is, like, you know, trekking shoes, right? Just, you know, those additional draws, and if you come across an energy, you can discard it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's typically what you see there. I do think Kramomatic is good, though, because sometimes this deck has a consistency issue. Like, in my testing, <laughs> and maybe y'all saw a tweet that I put out the other night. I was testing this deck for the episode. I was like, dude, this deck is a pile. <laughs> but, like, I was having I was having trouble with consistency. Like, I, I just wasn't finding, like, supporters when I needed them. And in a lot of scenarios, I was in top deck mode. So... I can imagine the Kramatic being, like, really helpful in that regard. Like, oh, I don't have, like, any draw power the next turn. Like, you know, let me try to cram and find a supporter or something like that. Yeah. So, I could definitely see that. <clears throat> I definitely think one thing that I would change about this list, and I haven't done it yet, but I do plan on it. Like, I would find somewhere to slot at least one Roxanne in on this list. I feel like Roxanne's too good not to run. Okay, yeah, I can see that. It's, I don't know, I just see it being really helpful, because if you're playing against an opponent, like, what's a bigger, like, just stall than playing a single prizer, than, like, them making headway into your single prizer, and it goes, you go, okay, now you only have two cards in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's bound to slow down anybody. Which, which there's the coveted, you know, failing luck of, there's always the answer in those two cards, but that's, you know uh, that's why I don't play Roxanne. Yeah, and besides that, I wasn't a super huge fan of the Bruno. I could see that. Um, you know, a, a lot of times the supporters people play is like is like discarding in some way. It helps get your energy in the discard pile much faster. Yeah, um, I can understand why the Bruno is here because, like, man. It, like, in my testing, a lot of times, I was just like, man, I don't want to play this research. Like, I have to, but I'm losing so many resources. <laughs> and sometimes it just feels bad. It's definitely useful. But I'd probably drop it down to two and replace it with something else, I feel like. Because there's, like, the other side of Bruno, where it's, like, you don't want to play it because you don't have a mom that's been knocked, and you don't want to, like, lose three cards. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no. I don't know. yeah, I feel you there. Uh, I, and I will say, again, this is a deck list that was played at Milwaukee. Uh, the meta has changed quite a bit, actually, since then. Yeah, um, it has. And, and Reggie decks have adapted. Uh, and some of the adaptations we've seen is that they started to like play Path now. And I think 
if you're interested in playing the Reggie deck, I think that is a necessary card to play moving forward because um, some Arc Intel decks, Palkia decks, and I guess lower on the radar, Sylveon decks, have like started playing the Empoleon V, which as long as the Empoleon V is an active, all basic Pokemon without a rule box don't have abilities. All of your opponents, non rule box basic Pokemon don't have abilities. So that'll turn off Ancient Wisdom, even if you have the board set up. It'll turn off Dragon's Horde. And if you don't have like a response to get that Empoleon out of the active, like you are just you're just going so slow at that point. <laughs> so a lot of Reggie decks have started uh, putting in path for that reason. Um, and of course the extra stadium helps if you know you go up against an opponent that plays Collapse Stadium, which as long as that stadium's in play, you are not ever going to get your combo. Uh, and of course you're unfortunately also caught in the crossfire of everybody trying to counter Palkia at the same time. There's a lot of Avery in the format, which really hurts this deck. Uh, Echoing Horn can be really good against this deck. Just, you know, your opponent can put a duplicate Reggie on the bench, and then now your game plan is halted until you find a scoop-up net. Um, so it's caught in the crossfires of a lot of things right now, so I will put that little warning out to our listeners out there. Not to say that, like, all of that is enough to, like, doom this deck, because obviously it isn't. Like, it's still doing pretty well. Um, I'd have to take a look at NAIC results again, but I... I wouldn't be surprised to see one place fairly high at that event as well. And of course, it's doing well in online tournaments and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, just something to keep in mind if you're interested in building this deck. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's a, I mean, it's a single prizer deck, so, you know, they usually excel at one thing, but have kind of a lot of weaknesses in other areas. But, I mean... Where else, like, what other kind of decks really could you build for under 50 bucks? And that's probably with shipping included. And have, like, a competitive deck. Yeah, like, shipping included, the whole thing, yeah, probably gonna run you, like, 30 $35, probably. Yeah. If even that, like... <laughs> yeah, so, you know, take those budget options when you can. Uh, you know, it's always a, always a net positive, as I like to say. You, you don't spend a lot of money on a deck, and you could potentially reap a lot of reward from it, so... Yeah, uh, and I mean, even if you're just looking for another fun deck to play on the side, here's a nice cheap one that you can put together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you're looking for something, you know, just to play for fun, take a little bit of a break from, like, whatever meta deck you're grinding. You know, you can play this, it's a lot of fun, and it's still really good. Yeah. So, definitely... Definitely really good there. Um, I think we've hit all the highlights. Uh, I mean, just a couple smaller things to note. Like, it, it is like a 100% energy or special energy build. Uh, and I think all, I don't think there's a single Reggie deck that isn't like this. There might be, maybe, but. Um, it, the, the deck just needs special energy to work. There's no other way to make it viably work, really. Yeah, mark, mark that another reason you want to run Path, by the way, because if you come across Duraludon, you just lose. <laughs> yeah, true. So, so maybe, maybe put those Paths in there. But, uh... <laughs> but, I mean, definitely a fun deck. And whatever to try out. Yeah, it gets, uh, gets the damage counter stamp of approval. Uh, we are big fans of the Regis over here. Just in general, they're very, they're very cool Pokemon. Some of the cooler legendaries, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, this was, like, the standout deck for, for Astral Radiance, at least for us. Because, like, I remember 
you know, leading up to the set, we were we were we were thinking it was like, okay, Astral Radiance is coming out. We should probably cover one of those sets like as soon as we can, or one of the one of the decks out of that set as soon as we can. And we were kind of deliberating on it for a little bit. We weren't really sure which direction to go. And then uh, Nolan Frieda got like top four with this deck at the uh, Full Grip Games event on release day. And that just kind of solidified it for us. We're like, oh yeah, dude, this is the one. <laughs> this is it right here. For sure. Yeah, so shout out to him. Shout out to all the Reggie's players out there. And of course for Nicholas Moffat for uh, piloting this list to an 11th place finish at Milwaukee. That's definitely definitely something to be commended over. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it. That's Reggie Box. Such a good day. I love this. Oh yeah. Yeah, as always, if you have a deck list that you want us to go over, uh, feel free to submit our ways. I think we already covered our social medias and stuff earlier. But, any, you know, we're always down to cover any kind of deck list. We're willing to look at Gym Leader Challenge, Expanded, stuff like that. Not just standard, all that. That's what we mostly do here. Yeah, absolutely. And if you happen to skip any of the previous segments or just didn't catch it before, you can hit us up at DamageCounter on Twitter.com. Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up. Let us know. And again, you know, if you have a deck list that uh, you think is particularly interesting, something you want to hear us talk about here on the show, like Josh said, any format, legacy, standard, expanded. We, we really do need to do an expanded deck list at some point, and that's like the last <sighs> major format we haven't hit yet. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get on that. Um, may well, I'm not going to say anything. Retro formats, too. Let me say that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. That's something we have in the works. Yeah, for sure. We're, you know, I got more people interested in that, by the way. Like, that's so funny. Everyone at the local game store is now building X and Y decks right now. Whoa. <laughs> like, it, dude, it, it's so funny. Like, friend of the show, Richard Sepulveda, he is like, he got wind of that we were doing it and immediately has started rebuilding his old Mega Rayquaza deck and is even trying to get it max rarity. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Marshall for my Reggie deck because Potown Store was not working for me to buy packs to buy these couple cards that I needed. And then I remembered I had a stack of code cards that I pilfered from our good buddy. Hey. <laughs> so I built the deck using those. So shout out, friend. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. You saved the podcast. You saved the 60-card podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, that's the Reggie deck. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, just uh, if you got a deck list, feel free to send it our way. But for now, it's time to look back, Josh. We've had uh, a very interesting tournament season, to say the very least. And I guess by all technicality, the longest tournament season that I believe the game has ever seen, lasting from 2019 to the year of our Lord and Savior, Arceus, 2022. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, it has. It's been a doozy. Uh, I think I came in, came back somewhere around what, uh, it was early, no, late 2019 is when I got back into the game. Yeah, it's yeah. That's about when we were we were fully dipping our toes back in. Yeah, because I remember uh, I built single striker Ishifu on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that would that would have been, oh yeah, it would have been New Year's Eve of this year. Yeah, or the twenty whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty one. But I'd started playing. Uh, maybe it was like early twenty twenty one. Actually, I got back into. I'm trying to remember when I put a Tardis together. 
Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was early 2021. Yeah, I don't know, I remember exactly, but uh, I mean, when I came into this game, <laughs> it's like I did not realize how insane progress was going to be. Like, this has been crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that's what we have for you in our main discussion today. So let's take a look back at the season leading up to Worlds and uh, see what went down. All right, so, as I mentioned before, one of the longest seasons we ever had, thanks COVID. Um, yeah, so, and it was for that very reason, you know, the, the COVID-19 epidemic that's kind of caused things to be really weird for us here. That's why this season is referred to as the 2019 to 2022 season. Uh, if you're not familiar with Pokemon's tournament structure, usually a season only lasts about a year. So rotation typically happens in like August, September time frame. And then, uh, or rather, you know, that's when rotation happens. That's usually when Worlds happens. And then you have, you know, that year leading up to the next August and September time frame uh, where the next Worlds event happens. You know, that is the season, essentially. Uh, there's a couple empty months in there somewhere. I don't know where exactly, if I'm being 100% honest, but... You know, just just to get everybody squared away on the tournament structure there. Now, uh, if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you probably know that like we may not have been like super active uh, around the 2019 time frame. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I didn't start becoming super competitive and, uh, you know, really consistently been attending events and keeping up with this kind of stuff until Cosmic Eclipse came out. I was definitely playing the game at that point, or before that point, but it was all very casual. So, um, me and Josh, we don't really have too much to say about the 2019 part of the season. You know, we just weren't keeping up. That's all it was. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, you know, just to give everybody kind of a snapshot of what we were looking at um that season started with ultra prism being like the oldest set in a rotation so it was uh right before everything closed down i think the last format that the season saw was ultra prism to sword and shield uh one of the last events that we had uh believe it was the uh regionals in perth we started to see a lot of ADPization takeover. Um, if you were watching the Perth regionals, there was one, two, three, four, five, six ADPization decks uh, that made top cut at that event. Um, and if I remember correctly, I think the day two stats was that like 50% of people that made day two were playing that deck. Like it was absurd, absolutely absurd. So, you know, we were we were living in the era of tag team. Sword and Shield was just making its way to the forefront. Um, and then COVID happened. So, you know, events shut down. Uh, there wasn't really, I mean, you know, they couldn't host any events. It was, you know, a health, a health risk to everybody for them to keep doing it. So the, uh, the competitive season just kind of went on hold for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, it was... Basically, I mean, quite quite literally, like around the around the time like Perth happened is when I suddenly started to to 
pay attention to like the metagame and tournaments and stuff, which is why I mentioned that one specifically because I remember watching the streams for Perth back in the day, but that's neither here nor there. So, you know, that that's kind of like your snapshot of what the meta looked like in 2019. One last thing to note is that there are actually, you know, the 2019, we did have expanded regionals in 2019, but um, we haven't seen them since. So the last expanded regional was Collinsville. Uh, also worth noting is that that was the last regional that happened in America before the shutdown. Um, so, that, you know, if you hear that one referenced a lot, that, that's probably what people are talking about. Uh, so just interesting thing to note there. It makes me a little sad, seeing as we haven't had any uh, expanded regionals come back since 2022 started, unfortunately. Uh, so here's hoping that the 2023 season brings us back. Yeah, hopefully. It's a, I mean, I know a lot of people don't really like expanded, but it's a shame. It's like, a, it's a very it divisive. Away. Yeah, it's a very divisive format right now. <laughs> and I think... Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of expand on that. Ha, pun pun not intended there. Uh, we'll kind of expand on that a little bit. Um, you know, there has been a little speculation as to, like, maybe why they haven't done expanded regionals since then. Because, like, man, if you look at the expanded format, you either have, like, this just ridiculous, I'm going to take, like, a 15-minute turn one wombo combo deck and probably win before you can do anything, or at the very least, put you in a practically unwinnable board state before you can do anything type deal, or it's like a turn one lock deck, where it's just like, yeah, uh, I'm going to do all this on turn one. You know, there's a stadium in play, there's this ability that's active right now, or whatever, and you basically, like, your turn basically becomes draw pass, and I'm just going to keep you in this position until, you know, until I nickel and dime all your opponent or all your Pokemon away or until you deck out or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there admittedly that is a lot of what expanded is right now. So I don't blame people necessarily, but uh you know, is what it is. So I think a lot of people are speculating that like Pokemon saw that and they're like, Let, let's hold off for now <laughs> and see if maybe we can <laughs> rectify this or just you know, see if it's even worth bringing the format back, that kind of stuff. Of course, none of that is confirmed, but, you know, that's a lot of the speculation that's going around it, the room. It would make sense until they figure out how they want to handle it. It's just, like, unfortunately, you know, as me coming from Magic, it's just we're expanded and formats like those are really big over there. Those formats just get crazier and crazier as time goes on because you're just adding more and more to them so they do get really hard to balance in an efficient way yeah it's just the nature of one of those types of formats and i mean i i don't know i, th I think i like expanded a lot um i mean yeah you, you do end up going up against like some of those lock decks which is a little annoying but like the, what I always tell people is, like, man, if you just get invested and expanded and, like, you just kind of jump into that meta and, like, try to compete with that meta, like, there's a lot of viable stuff in expanded. And I think that's where people get, you know, it's like, oh, you play, like, the top, like, 10, 5 decks and just lock your opponent or just win on turn 1 and it's not fun. I'm like, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a thing, but, like, it's not really the entire format, like... 
surprise, surprise, everybody. I play Sylveon VMAX in Expanded, and that is just like an aggressive burn through your deck, and I'm going to try to Oko you type deck, and it's still perfectly viable, right? Like, it's not in the top 10. It's not like, you know, super talked about or super popular, but like, would I feel comfortable going to an Expanded Regional playing that? Hell Yeah. I'm going to burrow through my deck, and if you can't do anything about it, I'm just going to knock you out. And you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people get the wrong idea of the format, but, you know, that's that's a discussion for another day. Oh, yeah. So, with, you know, just kind of the idea of the 2019 format in people's minds and out of the way, uh, we kind of moved into the online era. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic was in full effect. Uh, wasn't really much anybody could do. Um, Pokemon did hold a few official online events, uh, most notably the Players' Cup. They had about four of those uh, that all ended up uh, in an invitational type thing based on who performed the best out of all that. Um, I didn't participate in any of the Players' Cups until Players' Cup 4 came around. And then I started, like, redeeming some of those keys and, uh, you know, try, trying to do my best out there. I jumped into it, like, super late. Like, the last, like, three or four days you were allowed to try to qualify. So, obviously, I didn't make it anywhere close to it. But, um, it was fun, and it was nice to see Pokemon try to uh, try to have a tournament available for the, for the masses in an online-only era. And I think it went over pretty well. I think it was a pretty cool way to structure the tournament. So that that is appreciated. Yeah, I did. Like, card games in general had a really nice online boom there that I think was a really good thing to happen. Because it kind of caused a bleed over of two communities. Because, you know, there really is that online-only community. It's yeah. not just like... And then there's just that paper community. It's not, uh, everyone plays both. There are a lot of people that stick to one or the other. And, I, like, a lot of new people got to beat each other. And a lot of people started playing in paper. And a lot of people started playing online because of this. Which I did think was pretty cool. Like, sad about the way it happened. And this is how we had to, you know, basically continue on doing what we love to do in person for us paper players. But, I mean, I think for the most of it, it... It went. It was pretty well. Like it went pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know this. Uh, you know the, the players' cup was like a Pokemon official thing, and there were a few others like the Limitless Online series, uh, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but it was all those events that really popularized this idea, and then you know that's why we have like an abundance of online tournaments these days. You go to play Limitless, and there's just tournament after tournament after tournament after tournament happening every single day online and it's it's honestly pretty awesome to see right because like yeah. you know before like you had like your locals and then like maybe if there was a regional in your area or where you could get to then cool you got to go play in a regional but that was that was really it nowadays i can come home from work i can hop on play limitless and say okay okay that happens around that time yeah, I can play in this tournament. Like, I've got time for that. And I could just hop in a tournament whenever. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, like like I said, that's just one of those actually pretty sick things that came from this, is the community, like, realized that we can have community tournaments whenever we want. People, and, like, anyone can do it, and you can make a fun tournament. 
it just like you said, people can come home from work and you can play a Pokemon at home, play at a tournament. Yeah, I have uh, I have spent countless lunch breaks looking at Play Limitless, being like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna hop in an online tournament tonight. Let's see what let's see what's going on. Um, and I actually, you know, I I did find one that happens on Friday evenings, and that's just like, no matter what shift I work, that's just a tournament I can hop into. Like it's just perfect for my schedule. So I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> little bit of extra Pokemon time. Yeah, so it's super sick. I think you know. I mean, again, it, like, it sucks that it was, like, a pandemic that, like, you know, was was the catalyst for all this. But, you know, things turned out for the better, I think. And, you know, even, you know, when we get to the future where we can look back on this and be like, yeah, you know, we don't have to worry about COVID anymore, however that looks, you know, I, I think the community is still going to go on with these online tournaments. I mean, why not? Like, th yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> I will say, one of the funniest things that came from people playing online was watching a whole bunch of people try to, like, learn setups and figure out how to, like, stream, like, in Discord or through Skype between each other playing card games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because PTCGO really needs to make, like, a spectator mode or something, because, like, that that's kind of, like, the awkward thing about, like, streaming tournaments is that, like... You just kind of have to so hope that somebody participating in the tournament is also able to stream in Discord. That way yeah. you can stream their feed and watch the <laughs> game. <laughs> so it's, it is it is a little cumbersome for the streamers, but hey, my, my hat's off to y'all. Salutes. Y'all do the difficult stuff and I appreciate it. Now, with, with all of that being said, you know, with all that kind of context... I will say, if you were potentially interested in what the 2020 and the 2021 formats looked like, uh, you can find some deck lists for that. Um, uh, Limitless does have uh, all the placements for the online events. Their Limitless Online series, uh, as well as the Players' Cup, they do have the deck lists for that. So if you were interested in what that format looked like, you can go check that out. And of course... Um, there were online tournaments being held on Play Limitless, the, the, the grassroots tournaments, uh, where you can go reference some deck lists from that format as well. If you want my opinion, save yourself the trouble and don't bother because that, both of those formats sucked. <laughs> and I did want to touch on that a little bit. Josh, we played a little bit of the 2020-2021 formats. And I don't know about yeah. you, man. Maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe our listeners have a different opinion. I hated both of those. Four. That was a bad two years for the game. Yeah, it was It was pretty rough. It was enough to make me not want to get into the game. So, like, I would dip my toes in and out here and there playing with Phelan. But I, I don't know. It was bad enough for me that I, I just didn't even want to participate in it. I didn't start playing till pretty much right till the end of that. Yeah, yeah. I re it was around rotation is when you started building like Rapid Strike Urshavu and then eventually we got like a turn in his build and single strike and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, it, listen, if you're like us and like you're, you're kind of an enthusiast for like older formats, like, oh, what was played at NAIC this year? What was played at LAIC this year? You know, that type of stuff. Like, I mean, go for it, right? Like, if you missed it and you want to just see what it's about, see if it's as bad as we're making it out to be, oh. I fully encourage that. But and 
Yeah, and if it's your favorite, like far be us from us to like put you down. Of course, of course. Still feel free. Yeah, still feel free to play that stuff. Like I would never go up to someone's table and if they were playing in like that era, like start like bad talking over something. It's more power to you. But it was pretty bad. It was it was rough for sure. Um, you know, even even eight sets into Sword and Shield, towards the end of like the you know right before sun and moon stuff was about to rotate even eight sets into sword and shield like tag teams were just everywhere uh and we had like just a lot of the stuff from like late sun and moon which is just like absurdly broken like still kicking it in the format still just absolutely bodying people and it's just like and not helping things was the fact that like the first four sword and shield sets like there wasn't really anything good in those sets. <laughs> it's it's kind of it was kind of sad in a way. I guess not really sad, but you know how in most in most card games, once the new set drop it, or in Pokemon especially, you know, once the new gimmick starts going, the old stuff gets power crept out usually pretty decently fast, and it's like gone even before rotation. Well, I swear, even when tag team the day tag teams wrote it out. Like rotated out. Half of them were still better than the best V maxes we had. Yeah. Tag teams were crazy. Yeah, it wasn't really around until the second year of Sword and Shield where like where like you could make an argument for a like decent number of V maxes, you know? Like I mean you had like Dragapult and Eternatus and Senescorch, but like Dragapult was just good because it was beefy. And it set up Dedenes for KOs really easily. Like, you know, once you took that out of the format, whereas, like, it's starting to compete with other VMAXs and it can't prey on Dedenes anymore, it immediately started seeing less and less play. Like, it just fell off a cliff immediately. He had Eternatus, uh, which I, I'll give the nod to Eternatus. Eternatus was like probably the first like really, really, really good VMAX that stood on its own. And then like you had Senescorch, which was only good because Welder was still in format, right? So it's like none of the VMAXs were like particularly great until we started getting like, okay, here's Urshifu. Urshifu is really good. Here's the Calyrex. Both of those are really good. Just like on their own and can like actually challenge tag team Pokemon. So yeah, it was, whew, it was some growing pains in, in early Sword and Shield for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it is what it is. Like I'll say, I it did like set us up into one of the best like seasons or whatever you want to call it of Pokemon and most card games I've ever been able to participate in. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I think ever since tag teams rotated rotated out and we went to the Sword and Shield on format, literally Sword and Shield to Evolving Skies, Sword and Shield to Brilliant Stars, and Sword and Shield to Astral Radiance. This current format, Sword and Shield to Astral Radiance, probably the best format I've ever played. Like, it's so good. I said the same thing about Evolving Skies back when that was, like, the newest set, and just, like, the Sword and Shield era right now is fantastic. You'll notice I left out Sword and Shield Diffusion Strike, because I think that, I think that format sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the last format we had before we, you know, got regionals and stuff back, coincidentally, but, um, you know, a little bit of growing pains to get us back to good stuff, so, you know, it is what it is. 
Listen, until uh, Mew there, until we had Arceus to kind of help rain, like check, keep it in check. Mew was Mew was a little too crazy for a minute. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like you know we talked about in the Brilliant Stars format where it's like. Yeah, the meta is centralized around Mew, but it's done so in a good way. It's done so in a way where players are being creative on finding ways to counter Mew and to, you know, keep it from absolutely dominating. And the Sword and Shield Diffusion Strike meta, that was an example of the format centralizing around Mew in a very toxic way. Because the format was centralized around that deck and there wasn't really a good answer to it. Every, yeah, everyone was shoving, like, Moltres's, Galarian Moltres Vs <laughs> and babies, you know, just in their decks and hoping that worked. Yeah, like, if you want, like, your best shot against Mew was to play, like, Hoopa Moltres, which is good, don't get me wrong, but, like, you you kind of don't do super hot into, like, other matchups because of yeah. that. And then, like, your next best choice outside of that was Gengar, which only gave you a 50-50 on the Mew matchup anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little rough there for a little bit, but Brilliant Stars reined it all back in and did us a lot of good. And I mean a lot of good. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think my favorite thing since tournaments came back and... I don't think we touched on that. The start of twenty two season, twenty twenty two season. That, you know, that's oh where we're God. going. With it. It's 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 like Pokemon like busted down the doors with a minigun and just started shooting out tournaments like six six to seven some weeks. And even then, with not like at least like two, it's been so crazy. Yeah, it's you know back to back triple header weekends type deal. Um. You know, if you listen to the podcast, you know for sure that, that you know, our last several news segments has been like, yeah, we're going to talk about like six tournaments on this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, not just official Pokemon, like the community, Card Trooper, Full Grip, a whole bunch of oh, other yeah, people, they just started going, yeah. they just started going tournaments. <laughs> yeah, the community was excited to get back into the game, and you know what, you can't blame them, right, so... But uh, yeah, no, that, that that's good that we start going, you know, we start heading in that direction. Um, and that is one thing to note, you know, if you go back and look at like the 2019 season, you'll notice that like the regionals are kind of spaced out a little bit more. There's not really as many triple header weekends, a uh, couple double headers here and there, but you know, it is what it is. And the reason for that is, is because, you know, back then before we had to worry about COVID restrictions and all that kind of good stuff is we had League Cups, we had League Challenges, essentially local events where you could earn League points. Um, So, you know, you had... It it wasn't like you had to go to regionals to get points towards your world's invite. That's how it was this season, which is why all the top players were basically hitting every single regional in their region, as well as every single international championship that happened. Yeah, shout out to these troopers that, like, were hitting every single one of these. I can't even imagine, like, the exhaustion and travel y'all must have been under. Yeah, especially with, like, events that happen just, like, a week apart. Like, I, I, I'm amazed because there's, like, a lot of players in America and even some international players that went to Milwaukee and then a week later participated at NAIC in Columbus, right? So it's just like, bro, like... Did y'all go home between then? Like, or did you <laughs> yeah, just did like you just go straight there? Like, yeah, I was like, well, good lord. So, shout outs to those guys and gals. If you know, 
Shout outs to yeah. everybody that did that. Cause that's uh whew, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, you know, we 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 get to the return, right? And you know, let, let's let's storybook this a little bit. We get to the return and uh you know, we hadn't had regionals major tournaments in like two years at this point and it all comes back to where it ended in the first place in Australia with the first regional in Brisbane and I mean you know we're not going to hit every single tournament here but you know everything came back in Brisbane and uh, kicked off the Brilliant Stars format it was literally the first day of Brilliant Stars legality this tournament happened and, uh, you know, we got to see Arceus V-Star in action, some very early list of Arceus and Celion, Arceus Duraludon, and watching people uh, just absolutely dominate the playing field with Mew VMAX. Um, and of course, if you've been keeping up with us on the podcast, or just throughout the tournament season in general, you kind of know the ups and downs that this season took, leading up to where we are now, just a couple months out from Worlds. So, you know, things came back. There were a lot of online, or, you know, players who were playing online only, who kind of got the gumption that they wanted to get out there and, you know, attend their first regionals and all that kind of stuff. I was one of those players. I attended my first regional at uh, Indianapolis, and uh, subsequently also participated in NAIC. And you know, it's just been an absolute blast, and it's been a big, big return for the community. I mean. A lot of people were coming out. A lot of crazy ideas were, were coming around. You know, it was just like an electric tournament season, right? Like, it, it was yeah. insane. Oh, definitely. It's like the most... It, there's like there's just been so many people that have come out ever since it started back up. It's been amazing to see. And the passion, like, has just been crazy this whole season. I've, like, never seen people be so excited to play Pokemon cards, and it's amazing to see. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Like, it was definitely, like, my favorite part from the season, as well as just, like, even getting to go to these events and experience that. And just, you know, people love this game. People are very passionate about it in ways that, like, I mean, you know, I've been competitive in other games, and I feel like the Pokemon community is... Not, I don't want to say like more passionate than other communities because obviously that's not like a quantifiable thing that you can you can judge, but it's it's different. You know, you can it's a different kind of passion, and you can feel it. You know, everybody in the room is is super passionate and just a fan of of this, and also super friendly, wanting people to grow and all that kind of good stuff. It's 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 a different feeling for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's like. This season, like, as a consequence of it being so pretty, pretty balanced in the metagame area, it's been so many surprises, so many people with, like, interesting deck lists coming out, like, almost every single top eight of every event that's gone on, there's at least one deck in there that you're like, wow, like, this, this is here, this is good, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, it, the, the creativity is just, ooh, chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. Just, there was a time there for a little bit where I really could not give you, like, a top eight guess of what would, like, be in the top eight of a tournament. I could guesstimate based on the meta, but that really didn't mean too much with the stuff we were seeing. 
Yeah, it always ended up like, <laughs> I always thought to myself, I was like, all right, what does the top eight for this event look like? I'm like, okay, we'll probably see some you, probably see some, you know, I get like the obvious stuff out of the way and I'll be like, you know what? And there's probably going to be like one or two decks in there that no, the world has never seen before because it just <laughs> happened like every turn. <laughs> it was the best. Oh yeah, it was great. And the craziest thing to me is just for so long, you know, we all thought Mew was top, like, tier one, untouchable. And it ended up, like, not even topping a third of the regionals. Yeah, it won two regionals in the Brilliant Stars format. Yeah. Only two. Which should, like, if nothing else, should tell you how interesting the season has been. 100%. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, on that note, Josh, do you have a couple favorite moments, favorite decks that you saw since uh, tournaments have come back? Uh, I mean, definitely. Like, I definitely have favorite decks. It's, when I got back into the game, and I'll say this has probably been my favorite, like, my most favorite deck so far since I've got back into playing Besides Eternatus, but I'm not going to really count that from where I was playing, because that's when I was getting back in and not super serious. Uh, it would still have to be Single Strike. I had so much fun playing Single Strike. Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I, I got to agree with you there. Single Strike Urshifu is a ridiculously fun deck. Like It feels like really barbaric to play sometimes, <laughs> which is the best part. And it baffles me, man. Like you know, It's, it's a deck that kind of fell off a little bit. Actually, quite a bit, honestly, but... And it baffles me, because I feel like that's a deck that, like, should have been good in Brilliant Stars. And I feel like it's something that, like, the potential just wasn't fully explored for whatever reason. Yeah. It, it's crazy to me, but yeah, no, I do agree with you. Single Strike is uh is definitely up there as, like, a it's, top. Yeah, that's, that's definitely been my favorite so far. Now, if you want, like, the most, like, uh, tournament deck that I've seen, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name... But it was that first uh, Rapid Strike and Teleon list with all the one prizers that just like blew everyone's mind. Yeah, the uh, yeah the Robin Scholes list that won yeah. uh, the the Liverpool regionals. Yeah, I was I was probably going to lead off with that too. Uh, I think one of the most standout decks that has come about the 2022 portion of the season, and one of my favorites as well. I, I mean, I'm literally sitting here shuffling it right now. Is the straight it's, Rapid Strike Urshifu list with all the crazy one-ofs and taking the Shady Dealings engine it's, to its absolute limits. I was about to say, I feel like that list is when the Inteleon, like the Inteleon engine was cracked open for everybody and they realized how broken Shady Dealings is. Yeah, a lot of people realized its potential because like all of a sudden... Because, you know, like I've said it a couple times here on the show... The Shady Dealings engine really came into popularity during the online era when Evolving Skies, like right after Rotation and when Evolving Skies was the newest set. But like the deck list still looked kind of samey. Like you still had a lot of research. You still had a lot of Marnie, a lot yeah, of Moss. Everyone, yeah, everyone ran a lot of like your standard draw supporters and stuff like that and just grabbed those. And it worked. But. I don't think people, like, people didn't really think about or consider that I could run a whole bunch of one-ofs and be able to get them whenever I want, pretty much, and have an answer for everything. Yeah, it was it was definitely something that took some time to develop, and uh, Robin Schultz's list. I put that out on, on the 
you know, on the world to display. And let, let me just put it to you this way. I think one of my favorite things about this, I don't think I've ever seen a deck come about in any card game where a majority, and I mean a very large majority of the player base, even up to competitive top players, will look at a list and say, I want to play it. It seems good, but that's just too much for me. Yeah, There legitimately have been players that are like, yeah, I want to play it. It seems like a good call for this event. But you have to play that deck at 100% the entire time. If you drop down to 95% playing capacity, you, you, will, you will lose. Yeah. Like, you have to have just everything straight when you're playing this list. And like I said, I've never seen a single deck do that. Ever. Like, it's so crazy to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, since I called out that deck, do you have any? Do you have another one? I, I'm i going to take the obvious pick for me. I, I'm just going to get it out of the way. My all time favorite deck in the format right now, Arceus Sylveon. Um, you know, fans of the podcast know I've been playing Sylveon since it came out in Evolving Skies. It's my favorite deck, probably of all time. I, th- I think I don't think there's a single deck I've played in PTCG ever that has has come close to this level of fun for me. Um, and you know, back in Evolving Skies, it was a great deck, like top ten. It was very easy meta pick. Uh, but you know, as sets has come and gone, it started to slip more and more in the meta game. And it was something I always believed in. I was just like, yeah, this deck's pretty cool. I like this. It's definitely weak weaker in the format you know as it's come along and there are a lot of times you know especially in fusion strike and brilliant stars where i was like man maybe this list just like maybe maybe it can't stand this format like maybe i do have to change uh but no uh you know ty came out with it at euic got sixth place with it showed the world that yeah this list is here and it's here to fight uh and you know we saw more people pick up the deck after he played it and that kind of like reignited my confidence in the list. And while I played something very close to what Ty played throughout the Brilliant Stars meta, Astral Radiance came around and I, I went and I built my own thing based off what I learned from the Astral Radiance meta. And I mean, what, what more can I say that I haven't already said on like the last 11 episodes? <laughs> I mean, I love this deck and it, you know, it's it's a very interesting anomaly in this tournament season, I think. Still kind of like, you know, a rogue pick. Yeah. Um, there's definitely... It, it's definitely fallen out of favor from where it was in the Brilliant Stars meta because fighting type has become a lot less popular. But it's still really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm going to sit here and play it. So I just love it so much. It is what it is. I, I haven't... Uh really found my next deck yet that i love my my eye is uh like solely zo- zoomed in on giratina right now because i am loving the look of that deck oh yeah that's gonna be bonkers but i got two months for that so i'm gonna keep i'm probably gonna keep playing palkia for the next two months and then i'll reevaluate once lost origin comes out but i i am having a lot of fun with palkia so if I had to pick like the next deck that I enjoyed so far the most, probably Palkia. And that and that's fair, you know. It, I mean, it, it, 
arguably the best deck in the format now, even dethroning Mew, which is crazy to think about. Um, so it's funny yeah. how that's come along. I I do play the Ice Rider variant because I <laughs> I like the one shot things and it makes yeah. me laugh. It make <laughs> it makes me laugh when you, you drop the Ice Rider after holding it in your hand and suddenly it's in your active with two energy on it doing uh three ten. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, those those are a couple of deck lists, a couple of standout moments. I mean, I, I guess just to kind of, you know, spread things out. Of course, you know, like I mentioned before, I went to my first few events and that was awesome. Uh, you know, I've got uh, in my testing group, at least for Indianapolis, I have Frosted Caribou. Uh, and, you know, watching her just miss day two by one game. It was honestly magical to watch. Like I, she put so much effort into playing her heart out at Indianapolis. So to watch her go that far was amazing. Uh, my friend Jake, who we had here on the show covering his Arceus and Teleon list, uh, he got his first ever day two at Indianapolis, and that was uh, pretty awesome to watch. Uh, so shout outs to those two. And of course, you know, being at the edge of my seat watching EUIC the entire time. I mean, there was just like so many good standout moments this season. It's It's been incredible, and it has me very very excited for worlds coming up oh most definitely it's a <clears throat> i haven't watched too much of the season like personally just with my work schedule and how it is i usually don't like have time to watch it and i've never gone back and watched them but i'm gonna make it a point to watch worlds because i'm expecting it to be insane yeah that's when everybody brings their best foot forward of course it'll be the first official tournament with the pokemon go set legal so while that's not like a huge set, it does have a lot of really good competitive cards in it. I'd be interested to see if anybody decides to bring Mewtwo V-Star. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, and of course, you know, we've got the new Radiant Pokemon coming from Pokemon Go as well. Pretty excited to see what makes a splash, honestly. I think I think we have a lot to look forward to for this World Championship. Definitely. I think Pokemon in general has a lot to look forward to, like our game's in a pretty amazing spot, and it's still looking good down the line. We have our paper tournaments back. We're going to get to see Worlds here in a few months. Like, I'm, I'm pretty content as a Pokemon player. Yeah, it is uh, definitely a, a fantastic time to be a Pokemon fan right now. You know, The scalpers have finally slowed down on buying cards, so you can buy product in-store again most of the time. Yeah, right? actually. Yeah, that's a good point. I have been buying a lot more product this year, which makes me really happy. Um, so yeah, you know that that's going down. We're in one of the best formats this game has ever seen. There are easily accessible tournaments all the time, which is amazing. We're seeing some incredible competition at the top tables. I mean, listen, man, it... If you didn't see the stream match of Sander versus Azul in top four at NAIC, I'm telling you, go check it out. It was incredible. <laughs> Probably some <laughs> of the best Pokemon I've ever seen. Like, ugh. It's it's a an amazing time to be a Pokemon fan right now. Definitely. And, you know, just one little, one tiny little capstone to, you know, to, to push us off here. Josh, do you know what side event has been featured at every regional since we've come back? Oh, most definitely it's the new up-and-comer, and it it's hit the trail like fire. 
We're talking about GLC, of course. GLC, baby! Yeah, yeah. it's been featured as a side event at every... As far as I'm aware, every single regional since Salt Lake City, which is incredible. I, I honestly didn't expect to see anything like this happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great because I think GLC is another kind of consequence of the last couple years is just this new really like fun game type has shot up in popularity and now like almost every like I feel pretty confident if I went up to a Pokemon player and said, hey, you got a GLC deck? They'd say yes at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, NAIC had, like, two or three Gym Leader Challenge side events throughout the weekend, and every single one of them had, like, 100-plus players for a side event. That is so insane to me. Definitely. It's it's something that makes me happy. I guess because this like it's a community game type that you've seen come up and grow, and that's like so sick to see that like something the community started has hit the point where it it's getting side events at official events. That's sick. Yeah, and uh, even uh, as recent as Milwaukee and NAIC has actually been officially recognized and legitimized uh, by Pokemon. You know, some people are are very divisive on this because. Uh, you know, with it being recognized and legitimized, it's kind of taken away some of the accessibility. Like, you can't use, like, proxies, world championship decks, uh, cards. You have to use cards from your region type deal. You know, some people are divisive on that. But the fact that Pokemon has seen the format and has recognized it in such a way, I mean, that's a big deal. Like, like it's not really outside of the realm of possibility that we might even have some, you know, events where we can earn CP by playing Gym Leader Challenge. You know what I mean? Like that—that that is yeah. a real possibility now. Yeah, I don't think it would be that surprising to see, and it's amazing to see how fast that Gym Leader Challenge has grown in just the last few years to be at that point. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. So. Shout out to all the GLC fans out there. Uh, I need to get my head more into that meta and probably stop playing fairy types. <laughs> or at least hope it. that Scarlet and Violet brings them back. I love it because so pretty much everywhere we go to play Pokemon, if Phelan's going to bring one GLC deck with him, uh, he brings his fairy type deck. And nine times out of ten, someone else is like sitting down to play GLC and they look at Phelan and go, hey, you got a deck? And he goes, yeah. And he hands it to him and they open it and go, fairy! Yeah, yeah, that uh, that happened when we went to Card Trooper. I handed my fairy deck to Richard, and I was like, that's all I got, bro, sorry. And he's like, nah, I'll figure this out. And it was funny, he was like, he was like reading some of the cards, figuring out some of the combos. He's like, whoa, hang on, hang on, this is a little crazy. What? What? I mean, he, you know, he lost that game. He's like, okay, your, yeah. your deck really runs out of energy in the late game. And I was like, yeah, it peters yeah. out pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, about halfway through the game, he started looking over at us and going, like, failing that. I think the deck's running out of gas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. It's like, if you can get the combos early, like, you've got a good early and mid-game, but, like, the longer that game goes on, the more you're just like, okay, we need to get this Although, over with. Didn't he have, like, a pretty, like, two integral cards? Yeah, yeah, there was some pretty bad stuff like, in the prizes. Prize. Yeah, didn't he have, like, a Flobebe and the Xerneas prize? It was something like that. The Flobebe was. Uh, yeah. There was another important Pokemon that was. I don't remember what it was, though. I don't know. But, I mean, anyway, uh, GLC, it's a lot of fun, and we're both, like, super happy to see 
just that it's being represented so well in the community. Yeah, 100%. So here's looking forward to the World Championships, the 2023 season. Uh, you know, I, I think we're in a fantastic spot, and I think the only thing that makes that honestly would make it better. And even that, like, even if these things don't happen, like, even if the 2023 season is just, you know, regionals and ICs only, and it's kind of a repeat of what happened this season, I think I'd be okay with it. But, you know, if we get League Cups and League Challenges back, that'd be sick. If we get expanded events back, that would be sick. If we get official Gym Leader Challenge events, that would be sick. You know, so there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of potential stuff on the horizon, but either way, after the World Championships and the 2023 season starts, even if all we have is standard, it's still a good time to be a Pokemon fan. Definitely. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for this week's episode. Episode 12. What is it, Josh? It's in the... Bag. It's in the bag. Yes, sir. Put it in the bag. Appreciate all of you for joining us on this week's episode. New and returning listeners alike. We appreciate you for spending your time with us. Uh, you can go ahead and find me on Twitter at EmerDCP. That's E-M-E-R-D-C-P as in Damage Counter Podcast. You can find me at Spiling underscore Anarchy. And of course, you can follow the podcast as well at Damage Counter on Twitter.com. You can also feel free to shoot us an email, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to read out any emails we receive on the show. And uh, speaking of reading things out, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Audible, you are able to leave a review along your uh, alongside a star rating. So if you have not done that, please, we implore you to do so. Uh, say and rate whatever your heart desires. And on other platforms, if you would like to leave a rating, we would highly encourage that as well. Help push us up a little higher in the algorithm, you know. People are looking for more TCG podcasts. Those star ratings will push us higher up the list, make us easier to find, and we would greatly appreciate that. For sure. All right. Well, good episode. I said it's in the bag. Um, I feel like I had something that we were that was going to tease for the next episode, but it's not coming to my mind. I don't know. We'll probably just talk about some Pokemon Go. You know, maybe I'll play it every day. Between now and then? Uh, I'm sure we'll have some stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by, by the next podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's at the time of recording. Um, it's gone live on PTCGO today. So hopefully we'll have some cards and we'll talk a little bit about the set. But uh, either way, that's for the next episode. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next